0: Hello and welcome to another episode of History of Westeros podcast, a podcast dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series, as well as HBO's Game of Thrones. Today's episode is a live Q&A based on the Song of Ice and Fire book series. So some questions might relate slightly to the TV show, but overall we're going to try to focus on A Song of Ice and Fire proper. So there will be a few mild The Winds of Winter spoilers in this video based on the released sample chapters, we're going to warn everyone if we're about to say something along those lines, though.
1: That's right. We're pretty excited to do this. This It's our first live Song of Ice and Fire Q&A. We've done Game of Thrones Q&As at the end of the TV season, so it's sort of territory we've been in before, but this is the first time we've done it from the books, which... We both love more than the show, mm-hmm. so that's a little bit of extra fun. We, we do enjoy the show, but the books are certainly what got us into this whole thing. And it's what we have more fun talking about. There's more to talk about. And you guys have given us a lot of great questions to build up on this.
0: So if you're listening to this and you're wondering, why did I miss this live event? You need to add us on Google+, Plus by searching Westeros History slash Podcast, and you'll receive invites to these events then and to ask questions you need to click on the Q&A written on the top right of the Google Plus event page. Please don't ask them on the video itself not because it's a real problem for us or anything but because we might miss them during the video itself and we don't want to miss your excellent questions.
1: We surely don't and Another cool thing about the uh, the reason why it's important to ask the question through the actual Google Plus app is because it puts them on the screen for us, we can click on them, and then it displays them on the screen, and even timestamps when we've clicked on it so that you can later check the video, look at the questions, click on a question, and see directly where we've answered that question rather than having to search through the whole video for it. So that's pretty cool. And of course, if you ask the question manually, there's no way for it to get involved in that system. So, that is our spiel on why you should use the Google Plus app for this. Now, let's get going, though. This episode, of course, the origin of this is from... It is one of our Patreon milestones that we hit a little while back, and we're very excited to have gotten to that milestone. We want to thank the people that helped us to get to this point, and people that will be helping us in the future as well. Thanks also to Joshua Hayes Cutter, known as Joshua the Raw, the history of Westeros' first sword, one of those... Patreon supporters, in particular,
0: and so to move on to the next question, which is not in the Q and A. It's not one of the actual questions. Shame on you, Jeff.
1: Jeff. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, Jeff, this question is from Jeff Hartline, aka Brendan B Fish. The question is: When you guys look in your crystal ball, which? Jeff, of course, we have several crystal balls, yeah. so I, you need to be more specific, but we'll, we'll, we'll forgive you for that. What do you see for the future of the podcast? What topics, to include single episode and multi-episode podcasts, mm-hmm. do you hope to cover eventually? Well, thanks for the question, Jeff. That is a really good question. Mm-hmm. And O'Shea, as she said, interested well. in covering Essos. Yeah, I definitely <laughs> just
0: want to cover all of the incredibly fascinating cultures of Essos. I want to get into that. I also want to go back to our Religion and Magic series. Which is a little bit of a difficult subject, but I definitely want to go back yeah, it's, to it. Yeah, it's
1: cool. There's so many topics to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that it will... There'll be more to do with that after we get into the Winds of Winter. Because I think the Winds of Winter, we're yeah. going to yeah. see a lot more of the supernatural. Yeah, we're going to see a lot... Point. Like, the magic will be higher. It'll be at its high point. Yeah. And there'll be more for us to cover. So it yeah. might be... It make more sense, maybe, for us to wait and do more of the historical topics in the meantime, like she said.
0: Yeah, we definitely need to cover the Dance of the Dragons, though, in depth. That's a big Obviously one, you know. the Rogue Prince and the Princess and the Queen... That's definitely going to happen, I think, before the winds of winter.
1: Yeah, and we've been starting to do house histories again, which is important. Uh, the first one isn't out yet, though I'm almost done with House Royce. We're going to be putting that one out in the next couple weeks, and that'll be the start of coverage of a lot of these important but secondary houses. We're not going to cover the great houses necessarily, because I think those have gotten a lot of coverage already. Mm-hmm. And, but there's a lot of cool stuff to be said about House Royce, House Reed, House Dane...
0: House, I've kind of done high tower a little
1: bit. A little bit of high tower. I was about to say We're that, and I realized the same thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. and there's just so many other small ones like that. Manderly, perhaps. There's oh, yeah. just a lot of important secondary mm-hmm. houses that may become more important later, or are really interesting from a historical perspective, or both. So I hope that answers your question, Jeff. We also are planning on doing what's called Aziz versus chapter, which is another Patreon milestone goal. And what that's going to be is me versus a chapter, right? Uh-huh. What, what could be more obvious, right? No, what uh-huh. that means is, it. yeah, I'm going to defeat a, a bunch of pages. It's going to be a tough battle. No, there's going to take chapters, sometimes randomly, sometimes voted on, and just break them down. I've read the book so many times that it's just a thing, I, you know, I can just fire away and talk about them. It should be a lot of fun. A little simpler but it will be available to patreon subscribers and donators only because we uh we need to generate a little bit more to make this uh, a full-time living i think it's going to be fun and i think given you only need to p- you will only need to put in a dollar a month to yeah. get access to that so i don't think it's exactly uh cost prohibitive anyway let's move on to the next question the question here is: I'm not sure if you think it's actually confirmed. I'm not sure if it's actually confirmed, but do you think Dunk was actually knighted by Sir Arlen? If not, how do you think this affects the story going forward? Thought I'd throw in a DNA theory, in ca- uh, since the books were released this week, and that question comes from Kieran O'Hagan. That, yep, you warned me I was going to pronounce your name right. I hope that was close. <laughs> enough. I actually looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so hopefully that was close.
0: And that was confirmed You know, So Spake Martin that uh, that's a lie. Yep. Dunk was not knighted. He was um, knighted. Though uh, it's been suspected and implied in the books. Um, we didn't grab the exact quote that makes it pretty clear, but um, th- th- the clues are there. But it has been confirmed.
1: Yeah, And but I do think that it will come up again. Because mm-hmm. he's going to join the Kingsguard, and I don't think he, the, the kind of guy he is, I don't think he'd feel right unless he was... Properly knighted, so I'm not sure if he's going to admit that he was never knighted. But he's going to be like, I'd like to, you know, maybe or, re- I like want to, yeah, I want to be re knighted or something like some that, just to make it official, something. yeah, yeah, because I, I think I that would mean that. something to him. Uh-huh. But
0: yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Yes, so that was our first actual Q and A question. <laughs> our next Q and A question is also to do with Duncan Egg.
1: Here we go, Cash Craig. So Knight of the Seven Kingdoms tells us that Duncan Egg will go to the free cities and the disputed lands. Why and when? Yeah, that is new information from that George wrote in the afterword.
0: The exact quote is that they'll go beyond the narrow sea to the disputed lands and the shining cities of Essos.
1: So one of the upcoming one thing we can do to look for clues is to look at the titles of the upcoming books, which George has released. Uh, of course, those are subject to change, but one of them is called the Cell Sword. And at the time, we imagined, we, didn't, we probably weren't thinking Essos as a possibility. We were thinking sellsword. maybe
0: Bittersteel and Golden Company were possible, but it was just suspected. Right. Now it's like almost definite. Yeah, now I, we're I'd like
1: say. very confident. So that's really exciting the opportunity to potentially see Bittersteel on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, excuse me while I wipe away the drool. <laughs> So I am very excited about that possibility, and as far as what else we'll see there, though, besides this, course, this question wasn't just about Bittersteel. What else will we see? And he, of course, he's asking, why will they go there? Why will they go there?
0: I've seen some interesting theories on this. I've seen someone that thinks that it'll be some sort of rift between Egg and Dunk.
1: Oh. I
0: don't myself think that, but I think it's an interesting idea. I think that they'll be like undercover, you know. Hmm. But is Egg going to go there with him? To, be a sword? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I really... That's a tough question. I think those are valid possibilities. But, wow, like... It, it's just... It's, it's almost like trying to figure out what George has in mind for something that's has got a lot of possibilities. And it's, that's difficult to narrow down. But I think there's a lot of potential because... I mean, Tyrosh is right next to the Disputed Lands. Tyrosh is where the Blackfires kind of had a bit of a home base. We, are, we hear about Bloodraven has his eye fixed on Tyrosh because he knows that's where the threat is, is uh, hosting. And it could be, like you say, it could be some sort of a rift or it could be, like, maybe they're going there as, like, a sort of spying mission, you know, like, they're pretty incognito. Yeah. They're just two guys. Like, they don't have any connection to the, to the throne. Bittersteel's not going to recognize the egg. If I'm he might be older someone- by then.
0: If I'm sending someone to S.O.'s dunk is not the person I would want to send. (laughs) He's not exactly a wordsmith or a linguist. (laughs) That's true.
1: If this comes a bit later on, then Egg might be like a teenager. He might be a lot more well-spoken, more presentable. He won't be just a squire, necessarily. I mean, he'll still be a squire, but he won't be just a squire. Yeah. And you wonder if he's ever going to stop shaving his head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing no. I'm guessing he's going to keep doing that until he... uh, much later maybe yeah. it's maybe once arian dies <laughs> I'm, I'm
0: personally hoping we see shiera sea star
1: oh yeah that's in all very, this. I, mean, we're, I think that's sure likely too. i don't
0: know about this one exactly but maybe I, this is more likely than others
1: that seems pretty likely i agree with that i think we got to see shiera at some point and that's pretty drool worthy too <laughs> <laughs> especially if there's pictures of her right? <laughs> actual po- photos not you know drawings yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Okay, so
1: I hope that answers your question, Hand of the King, Cash Craig, and we have a a new title for you at the end of the episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Alright, the next question um, is right here.
1: We have from Thunderclap. Mm -hmm. Boom, good name. Characters in the books have PTSD. Do you think Tyrion is suffering from bipolar disorder?
0: Now me personally, I've never considered this before. It definitely um, gave me some thought. I don't think he has bipolar disorder personally. I'm someone with bipolar disorder myself, um, so I have a little bit of perspective on it. I've never considered it. Um, when I reread it next, I'm definitely gonna try to look at that. Um, he definitely has depression at times, and his quit, quit might be like reminiscent to someone of like mania. But I think it's PTSD and depression, like depression that he's dealing with.
1: Yeah, but I I'm
0: definitely gonna look at it again. I think that's interesting. Yeah,
1: from our our pop psychology, yeah. uh, armchair, psychology. armchair psychology guesses. Yeah, I, I agree with Tasha's take there, uh-huh. and I also think that I think I think that uh, I mean bipolar is you know you you go through swings, and Tyrion doesn't seem to have that. He's he's kind of consistent with his moods, I think, um, and he's also. He, you would think maybe he would have self-esteem issues, but he doesn't seem to. He seems to accept yeah. who he is, he se- and he doesn't seem to have any trouble giving people orders, and he doesn't seem to have any trouble behaving like a lord. He is a much different person when he's with Tywin. Of course, that's not going to happen again. Yeah. But I th- that's a really good question, and it's a very qu- it's a question in line with the theme of the books, which is the characters. This is about the characters. This is something that's going to come up with some of these other questions as well. And so I want to bring that up now to sort of set the stage a bit. It's, it's, Song of Ice and Fire, Fire is a fantasy world, of course, but it's that we're presented with the characters and how they respond to the fantasy world, not necessarily the other way around. So I think questions about characters' personalities and psychology, I'm, I'm always really interested in things like that and, and discussing that kind of thing. So thanks for the question.
0: Yeah, thanks for the question. Feel free to comment if you had any reasons why you were thinking about that.
1: Right on, right on.
0: Our next question is from Stephen Atwell.
1: It's good old Stephen Atwell. Hey, buddy. Do the Volantines allow the Sons of Freedmen to vote? Of course, we would expect a deep political question from Stephen. <laughs> 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 I am pretty sure they would... Well, they certainly wouldn't allow the Sons of Freedmen to vote in general. But what my understanding is that the Volantines are allowed to vote if they own land. So I guess the question is, can the Sons of Freedmen own land? Because if they can, then they should be able to vote. But I'm not sure if there's a method or a means for the Sons of a Freedmen is a former slave just in case that's not clear so the son of a former slave you can see why they would be looked down on and (laughs) perhaps not have the rights that others would have you know that doesn't sound right but it sounds the (laughs) way it would be (laughs) in a in a society like that Mm -hmm. so i i think that's the best i can say if they are allowed to own land they should be allowed to vote but oh, yeah. uh, I'm not 100% sure. And if they're
0: able to acquire that land. Right. Whether they're allowed to or not, whether they have the means to do it.
1: Yeah, that's that's a whole other question <laughs> and often going to be pretty hard for the, for a <laughs> former slave's son to become wealthy enough to own land.
0: All right. Then the next question is from another podcaster and essayist.
1: Yeah, Nina Friel. Here we go. If you could give words to one house without an as-yet-confirmed motto, which house would it be and what would be the motto? Well, I that's... I find first. Yeah, that's, that's, first of all, a great question, Nina, because you know yeah. we're both really silly people, so this gives us a chance to be extra silly, and I'm feeling particularly silly today because this is a live episode, and I don't know, it mm-hmm. just gives me more license to be goofy.
0: You have an audience, a live audience?
1: Yeah, yeah, they look, uh, uh, and they're quickly vanishing, look, with zero people, watching. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, um, they heard I was going to start punning, and they all ran away.
0: Okay, here's my, I came up with a few myself. For House Shet, it happens. <laughs> and for House Bracken... Better than Blackwood?
1: My favorite for House Bracken is, you know, like the Ancient Aliens guy, or he's just Aliens. I think Bracken's is horses. (laughs) Or in the case of House Frey, they're meat, as in the meat in a pie, right? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Uh Or wash it down with arbor gold. That's my other Frey motto. I also like House Blackwood. I've got one for them, Ravens and Rivals. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or House Night's King. Night makes right. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Or House Dane of High Hermitage, so edgy.
1: <laughs> I am of the night. Yeah. Or House Dane, the regular House Dane, probably something to do with Dawn. That's not really very funny, though. So how about the night time is the wrong
0: time? <laughs> yeah. Um, those are fun to come up with. Yeah, uh, it's,
1: I like, house mottos are fun. That's one of the great things about Game of Thrones. Is one of It's also one of the great things that I think attracted HBO to it. They knew they could sell that they <laughs> could sell mm-hmm. mottos on yeah. mugs and keychains mm-hmm. and posters
0: we they still, weren't wrong <laughs> we still don't have the exact perfect one for history of westeros though nope though i think pimply ginger lad is the perfect <laughs> motto for us um read the books <laughs> uh, yeah
1: read the books that's a pretty
0: good one uh but okay. moving on to lo and behold yet another uh, YouTuber.
1: Right on. Hey there, BarTube. Right. How's it going? Hey, what is the top mystery that will be, probably, resolved in the Winds of Winter? You're most in- The ones that we're most interested in, that is. Rob's Will, the Valoncar, etc. Okay. Great question. Big question. Yeah. Also.
0: Go so, with our first answers that came up. Yeah. That we thought of for me. What's going down at Old Town? Hmm. That's the thing I most care about. I can't think of anything I care about more. Yeah?
1: <laughs> I um, uh, same thing. I did the same thing. It was my head kind of swam when I heard the question, and so I just tried to. Th- the first thing that came to my head though was the pink letter. That's a big mystery. I don't know that I care about it more than other things, but it is a big mystery that has majorly debated in the fandom, and it's uh, as far as you're. Questions that will definitely be resolved. I think that's in the top percentile of things that we can be pretty confident will be resolved one way or another. I don't know. I don't know if that whole plot line will have resolved, but the author of the letter, we should at least know that much. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> <laughs> If not, then these other guesses may not be so great either. But I, I'm really curious about what all these... There's all these horns that have been building up. A whole bunch of different horns. There's the horn that Sam has that's broken. Yeah. There's the dragon, dragon binder. binder. Yeah. What are these horns going to yeah. do? And is anyone going to blow them anywhere near something that could matter? Like, dragon binder got blown, but there were no <laughs> dragons nearby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Although, that, that may wait a bit longer. Mm -hmm. possibly related to the horns is the how the others will get through around or break the wall how that's going to happen I that's kind of an open mystery I don't think it's something that's like an open question like gee how are the others gonna blah 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 but it is a question like how is the other's plot line gonna progress and that pretty much I think everyone assumes they're gonna get through the wall or break it entirely somehow And that, so that I'm looking forward to that. We can actually use this to pivot to another question from our good friend, Jim McGeehan, who's asking us, what do you think will be the final fate of the wall? And I think that there's really two possibilities, I think, that I could come up with. Maybe you've got a third idea, but I think it's really, it's either going to come all the way down or it's just going to be broken like a big chunk Where the others can pass through, the whole thing coming down seems kind of crazy, right?
0: I think, personally, that it's going to be like all broken down and then like chopped up to make some nice crushed ice for like a giant's (laughs) drink. That's my theory.
1: An ice shake. Yeah,
0: that's what I think.
1: So I I don't. Yeah. So there's that's okay. So there's three possibilities. Three possibilities.
0: (laughs) Ice for a giant's beverage, coming down entirely. Just broken to allow some things to get through.
1: Right on. Now, so I, I really, I'm really looking forward to seeing how that happens. Uh, the method of it could be the horn, it could be something else, and hold off for a minute on my on some of the other possibilities because there's some other questions people have asked that tie into that. So stay tuned for more possibilities on the wall. And one other thing I wanted to get to though, because uh, back to Barr's question, which is the truth of Aegon's parentage, as in young Griff. There's a lot of parentage questions in A Song of Ice and Fire, as we know. There's the biggest one is Jon's, although I think most people agree on that one. There's also some questions about Tyrion's parentage, potentially. And, of course, young Griff. Now, of those three, I think Tyrion's is the one that's least likely to be given a definitive answer. As if, it may be that a definitive answer isn't needed. (laughs) Some people who are... Very sure that he's Tywin's son would be amongst those, and but I think of those mysteries, Aegon's is the one that's the most likely to be resolve because there's somebody who actually knows who's a big part of the story. Varys yeah. knows the answer one way or the other, and potentially Illyrio yeah. as well, and some others. So there's those are the unlike for John, we only have Hal and Reed basically, mm-hmm. and maybe the nursemaid Wyla, or somebody.
0: Or a brand not seeing right. definitive information. The Wherewood
1: Network opens up the no. p- potential for pretty much anyone to have <laughs> any answer about any <laughs> question given. So <laughs> that a- aside, <laughs> we have this. So, uh, yeah, a lot of good possibilities there. So uh, hopefully we're, we're, our guesses are close to right. But I would love to be surprised. You know, we've, we we spent so much time thinking about these things. We think we figured them out, but some, maybe we're mm-hmm. completely wrong. We might be surprised. I'm sure George has several surprises in store for us, and the wall might be a good spot for that all right moving on let's see here we have kirsten silo asking the question which of the smaller mysteries in game of thrones do you think will be important in the end danny's childhood house quaith Ashai, shrouded lord grayscale Patchface, tyrek grave digger deep ones something else which small facts do you think matter okay.
0: okay i personally i love the stuff about all the deep ones and the blackstone i don't think it's going to be relevant myself to the actual series grayscale i think is definitely relevant i don't know whether any mystery about it will be relevant but it itself there's gonna be an outbreak i think
1: i agree i think i think that we i think grayscale we've only seen we scratched we've only scratched the surface of what grayscale's (laughs) impact on the story is going to (laughs) be scratched the surface of grayscale yeah okay that that pun was not intentional Uh yeah Tyrek. I do think that one will be resolved. I think it will be mi- mildly important. I think that there might be something to that. The, the theory that Varus snatched him is interesting, although it seems maybe a bit much to have known that the riot would start right then. But it may have been an opportunity that he was he was waiting to find a chance to cap, uh, to capitalize on. Mm-hmm. I do think that the gravedigger is important. I think San, it is San, I do think it's Sandor. And mm-hmm. I do think that's gonna be important. I think Sandor is gonna come back into the story. I don't think he's gonna fight his brother at at the trial by combat. At no
0: Cleganebowl. Bowl.
1: He's no Cleganebowl. Bowl. They may fight eventually, but it won't be at a trial. Because he's just not healthy enough yet, and there's just no means for him to find out about it in time. Yeah. Like he's gonna just run off and hear about this trial Uh-oh. and run off South of King's Landing. The dude still has a severe limp.
0: Uh-huh. I just
1: don't it, it wouldn't be realistic for him to win that fight if he does go. Uh-huh. And I don't think he would try, because I think he would know that too. <laughs> yeah,
0: even just getting there in time is yeah, hard.
1: So but I do think he's gonna come up later. I don't know how. I don't think he's, don't I couldn't guess at what his importance will be, but I think he'll be back.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess moving on to some other uh, smaller mysteries, we'll move on to this question about Benjamin Stark.
1: What are your thoughts and predictions on Benjen Stark? We got a couple of Benjen Stark questions, uh, although they're somewhat related. So yeah. we'll start with this one, though. Yeah, and, uh, personally,
0: Benjamin is a question that's asked a lot. I found myself hoping that nothing comes of him at all. People are probably mad at me, shaking their fists. Uh, <laughs> I just, I kind of want him to just be left dangling forever. I just like the idea that sometimes people just disappear and die, and it isn't a big plot plot point. Sometimes that happens.
1: I- I'd be fine with that but... personally. I-, I think that there might be more to it, and. I don't think that he's just out there surviving by himself, that he's just been on the run from <laughs> others and he's just been somehow like, why wouldn't he? There's no reason why he couldn't have gone south to get back to the wall, if that's the case. So the tinfoil idea I've heard that I don't think is too tinfoily, and I'll explain why. But first, the actual idea, which is that the others actually have him in captivity somehow. They're holding on to him. They need his blood because he's a Stark for something. Maybe to break the wall. That's the best guess I have. Maybe to do some damage to Winterfell. I don't know. But the reason that sounds the reason I don't think that's too tinfoil, even though it's this crazy magical idea, is because we're talking about the others. The others are magical beings, they're already supernatural in the first place. I think any kind of magic you associate with them is less crackpot than, say, associating magic with characters that have never shown any sort of magic at all. Yeah, you know, like know. guessing that this guy is glamored as this guy is weird because we've, you know, this this person's never shown any <laughs> attachment or association with that type of magic before but the others that's a big unknown what they're capable of all kind of, they're certainly magical beings so we should, i uh. think there's a little more leeway to be creative with the potential mm-hmm. things they can do yeah. and i have more of a i have more leeway for considering these things less tinfoily
0: um here's another question that wasn't asked on the q a but we did catch it anyways um it's from patrick simpson why did Benjen join the night's watch? And for me personally, this has bugged me for a while. I it just seems foolish to me. I can see how it's possible for someone to do make this choice, but it makes me like Benjen less that he would do, choose to do this.
1: <laughs> I think that it's important to note that Rob had been born by then, so at least there were two male Starks, and Catelyn <laughs> may have already been pregnant with Sansa when he made the decision. I'm not quite sure on the time uh, on the uh, the timeline there, but. Yeah, it really could just be... It might not have been some group decision where they're like, you should join the Night's Watch now. I think <laughs> Benjamin might have just really wanted it, and... He hmm. just was like, hey, can I go? Can I go? Can I go? And Ned's like, well, hang on. Not yet. Not yet. Okay, now go. Uh, I mean, maybe they just maybe he just kept asking for it. It may have been foolish.
0: He could have been dreaming about it his whole life, and they've just been putting it off during the war, and he was, you know, you know he just really wanted to yeah. join the Knights Watch. he
1: certainly rose to become First Ranger, so uh, obviously he, hmm. you know, belongs there, you could say. he did his, I wonder if he would have been Lord job. Commander. I think he would I think have. he would yeah. have.
0: I wonder if, like, he was first ranger. I just wonder if he was groomed at all in the same way that John was groomed.
1: I think this is nice because he's a Stark and he's yeah. from the North. I think that would just been such a natural thing. I mean there was a 10-year-old apparently, a 10-year-old Stark, yeah. there was ex network well, commander. Well,
0: my question is John was, you know, not just a ranger. So I wonder if Benjen had that time period where he wasn't just a ranger. Yeah, he
1: may have been a steward for a while. That's true. Um uh, that's, it's often it's probably usually the case though that they don't groom a successor. That yeah. they just one, so I think it yeah. was just
0: because Benjen's gone, so he like was like, oh, I have to groom someone. He has to be ready. Yeah. John has to be ready. That's, I guess, more the case.
1: I agree with that, yeah. Um, okay, well, hopefully that is a sufficient answer on Benjen for now. We hope to learn more. I do think that there... I do think that we will learn more about him in The Winds of Winter. <laughs> I don't think we'll go a whole other book with nothing on Benjamin, especially because the, the others, that plot line is really starting to come to the front.
0: All right, next question.
1: Which characters do you think... Are Most Likely to Die in the Winds of Winter by Alex Stroop. Stroup. Apologize if I pronounce the name wrong. Well, whew, it's a bit of a depressing question. No, not really. <laughs> this is a fun question, actually. I do think there are quite a few who I think are on the hit list. I think Barristan is up there. I think mm-hmm. Brienne is on the list.
0: Tommen and Marcella. Yeah, yeah, Tommen and
1: Marcella, very much on their Theon is kind of on thin ice, pun yeah. intended. Doran Martell. Doran Martell. I, it, it's clear that his health is getting worse. I don't think anyone's just going to kill him, but I think it would be, uh, more, be a more compelling story if Arianne is in charge and yeah. not, like, yeah. entirely clear on what's happening. You know, um, she's yeah. just become, you know, her father's trusts her more than he used to, but... I think that would make things in- interesting.
0: Yeah, it'd be uh, real tragic if he died before she came back from her trip, right there. Yeah, I would be so sad. I'm sad just thinking. Let's move on. And I think oh. some of the other
1: uh-huh. characters in some of the other Dornish characters might be in danger as well. They're the ones who have been sent to hunt Darkstar. I think are in particular danger. I don't. I don't know that Hotah is in danger since he's a POV. Although I think he, I think he's in danger eventually. But I think he's got to at least survive long enough to show us whatever it is we're going to see at High Hermitage or in that area. Yeah. So Obara, I think, is. Yeah is in danger uh, although she's not you know a super important character I, she's certainly noteworthy significant enough and I do think she's in trouble mm-hmm. and potentially the same goes for Bail and Swan who's with them mm-hmm. um, I think I, I kind of imagine that Darkstar has some sort of trap planned for them he knows they're, he kind of knows they're going to be coming for him and he's not just going to wait for them to come without pre- preparing for it so, that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. but uh, as Hopefully,
0: far... both Boltons. Yeah, I think... Not one. I think no. only one Bolton is going to go. I both. doubt they both <laughs> survive,
1: but yeah, I could easily see them both going down. Um, uh-huh. It'd be funny if Bolton, if the Dreadfort was held by Fat Walda only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fat and a few, and Steel Shanks Walton holding the Dreadfort by themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think maybe Mance Raider as well as maybe on the chopping block, but also... Pretty much all of the remaining Night's Watch. I think pretty much all of them are in big trouble because <sighs> I just don't see the others not penetrating into the north and I don't see that happening without the Night's Watch trying okay. to stop them and they're obviously not going to succeed if the others get much farther south. So, sorry folks. I'm real worried about Pip, Graham, yeah. Dolores, Ed maybe, Iron Emmett, I don't know. I- I'll at least maybe one of two of those guys might get yeah. out but I'm worried. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next question. All right. How about another question from Kiron O'Hagan? Do you think Dany will go straight to Westeros or march westward with her armies and dragons to lay waste to cities like Volantis to have crossed her? I think there's a very good chance she uh, stops in some other cities on her way. Absolutely, especially because I think the Volantine slave army might very well just try to flip sides and join her. And they will... Be all for liberating other slaves, I would yeah. think. Uh, I think Pentos is another likely enough destination, especially since the Tattered Prince has been promised Pentos by Barristan. Yeah. And because Illyrio is there, so there's other reasons to go there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't see them going to, say, Lease or all the way to Bravos. That'd be really out of the way. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see them necessarily going to Mir or Tyrosh, although oh, Tyrosh is kind of in the way, and so is Mir. But I think that Volantis is not unlikely, Pentos is, is fairly likely. Those are probably the top two, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And the others are pretty much out of the question, I think. Uh, I don't think the story will include them.
0: Um, So let's move on to a question that isn't in our um, Q&A, but is somewhat related to this. It is, will all three of Danny's dragons make it to Westeros? If not, which one dies, and how do they get there?
1: That's from Drew Hinks Mm -hmm. Or Drew Hinkes, sorry. And that is a great question, and I think... What do, you, do you think they'll all make it? Or? Yeah, I,
0: I tend to think that they'll all make it to Westeros. Yeah. I don't think they'll make it through the series, but I think they'll get it to Westeros.
1: I agree, and if one of the, but if one of them does die, I, I, my, my bet is on Viserion, because there's a slight spoiler from the Winds of Winter here, which is that there was a little bit of blood on the white Syvass dragon that Tyrion picks off on the ground. There's a lot of different interpretations of that. This is certainly not the only possibility for what the blood on that dragon piece means, but mm-hmm. one possibility is that it means that dragon is in trouble. <laughs> and it's uh-huh. Also, Viserion is the weakest dragon. I believe that's the, from the descriptions. Um, although he's not unhealthy or weak, just yes. of the three. <laughs> so as far as how they get to Westeros, that is a huge question. That's kind of difficult to answer. But we do know it's possible there is a precedent set, at least. Balerion was ridden by Aegon, the Conqueror. To, who flew off from Dragonstone to participate in the war against Volantis that came during the Century of Blood, which followed the Doom of Valyria, of course. And rather, sorry, this is the end of the Century of Blood still. Anyway, Aegon took the side against Volantis. Volantis was trying to restore the Valyrian Empire as best as they could under their control. And so clearly, Aegon was able to get his dragon over the water, and, it, and Balerion was full grown then. So it wasn't none of the dragons Danny has are remotely the size of Balerion. So if it could be done there, it can be done this way. But it could just be that dragons have a lot more flying stamina than we think. He may have flown it from Dragonstone across the Narrow Sea. I believe Magor did the same with Balerion, who flew Balerion from Pentos to Dragonstone once Visenya came to tell him that Aenys had died and that he should come to seize the crown. And, of course, that means uh, Visenya flew Vegar to Pentas, too. So I think there's enough evidence that the dragons can actually fly that far, that they don't need to be on a ship. But if they can be put on a ship, then I assume George will explain that somehow. Yeah. But I, I, I'm going pretty heavily towards they can fly that far.
0: All right, so um, I believe these next questions um, were asked via Patreon. By Mary Harrison, is that correct, Aziz? I believe so, that's Um, right, yeah. we'll read them out loud. They're not through the Q&A feature. Um, The first... Should should I... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, The first question (laughs) is, is Lady Dustin being honest about her loyalty to Roos, or did she say those things to Theon because she assumed he'd tell Roos everything? From Mary Harrison.
1: Right on. Now, I think that that's a very good possibility. Lady Dustin... One thing we can know for sure about her, whatever we believe her ambitions or interests are, she is not stupid. She is intelligent. And so she knows that what she tells Theon is at least going to get back to him, if not to Ramsay. Maybe she thinks that it's more likely to go to Ramsay than to Ruse. But either way, she can't possibly think that she can just say all those things to Theon and not have them get back to him. So she has to know what she's saying. So yeah, I think that she's playing, uh, playing both sides a little bit. I don't think she's planning on betraying Roos. I just think she sees that as an option. I think she's a lot like Roos, that she's just going to do what's best for her. Mm-hmm. If that means keeping her alliance with the Boltons, that's what she's going to do. But if the Bolton ally- ship starts to sink, she'll be yeah. one of the first rats to jump off. Yeah. She doesn't have to side with the Starks just because she's not siding with the Boltons anymore. It's not like it's just Bolton or Stark. She can just sit on the sidelines and do nothing. Sit in her castle and wait for things to resolve themselves. No one's going to come attack her when she's not an enemy. Yeah. Especially when they've got other enemies to deal with, so yeah. So to answer the, so more specifically to answer the question, yes, <laughs> I definitely <laughs> think that she's or no, she's not being honest. I guess is the <laughs> to, to respond to the how the way the question was asked. Uh-huh. Huh. Now another question for Mary: Sansa sees two castles in the clouds merging into one on the day of Joffrey's wedding. But maybe a bit of foreshadowing. She suggests that it's foreshadowing for the downfall of the phrase. Interesting interpretation. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's more simple, though. I think it's just the two castles merging is like symbolic of two houses merging, just like the wedding that's about to happen. So I think that was just Joffrey marrying Marjorie, and that's mm-hmm. the, the merging of the castles. But I like that idea, and honestly, uh-huh. I never caught that. I never caught uh-huh. that reference, that the two cl- the castles in the sky. I never, I never uh-huh. missed that. So good catch. I'm, yeah. pro- I'm sure other people missed it. Sure, other users are like, how did you miss that one? Is <laughs> 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 okay? So another one from Mary. What are Pate slash slash the Facial's Men after in the Citadel? Mm-hmm. Very good question. And this is one of the things you were asking about, or you're not yeah. asking about, it's things that you one of the things you were most interested in in finding out about in the in the next book that the yes. question that Barr asked us about mysteries that we want to see resolved.
0: Yeah. And it also ties into I'll I'll select this question from Arahant. Veral Car, sorry I have my glasses on. I can hardly read your last name here. Um, I'm sure I didn't say it exactly right. Who asks? Where do you think Samwell's ark is going? Most people in the fandom think he'll find valuable information at the Citadel. What do you think he might find? Septon Barth's missing scrolls, slash info on White Walkers, or something else?
1: yeah i I hope so yeah, hope I can't so. wait for Sam to get in the vault and start reading these old books uh some of my favorite chapters are Sam chapters because he deals with ancient oh. material and ancient books and stuff like that huh. and
0: um <laughs> hopefully i personally um I, I i feel like one thing he his arc is going to deal with for sure is this attack on old town
1: yes definitely
0: and that might just be very frustrating to us.
1: Yeah, because uh-huh. he's distracted by sacking, reaving Iron Man yeah. and he should be reading. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I hope he finds some Septon Bar stuff. That would make me jump out of my seat. I would be really excited for that. Um, I think a lot of the rest of you would be as well. And, but I do think he'll. I, I do think that he is going to find something on the White Walkers. I think there is more mm-hmm. to come. He is other than other than Bran, who can you know whose abilities to figure things out are just so wide open, given the Wherewood network. Other than him, Sam is our vehicle to, huh. or is the character's vehicle to defeating the others. He's the one that, huh. as far as information, I'm not. He's not the guy that's going to be out there doing this, the work, but he's the the guy that can supply them with knowledge. He's the one that got everybody to carry around dragon glass daggers again. Yeah. That's that might be just a taste of what he's going to do later. He might be in charge of some program to properly arm the, the people who are fighting up against the others in White Walker. He may lead that mm-hmm. effort to properly outfit and equip people. The one mm-hmm. to teach people to use fire, to, to use to maybe to show the value of Valyrian steel or to show the value of certain other tactics or whatever we don't know it's it's hard to guess at the specifics because it's it's all so it's such unknown territory
0: yeah um, i do think the faceless men are likely after something to do with the death of dragons perhaps um at the citadel that is the um,
1: uh, that's the main that was the first no. major theory uh. Uh, regarding the jake in there and i still think that theory is totally valid now to be clear tyrion points out to um halden Halfmeister. Because Tyrion was tasked by John Connington of writing down everything he knew about dragons. And at one point, he's thinking to himself, gosh, I wish I had The Death of Dragons, which is this book that he says there's only one copy of, and it's in the Citadel's Vault. It's the only clue that we've been given about what's in the Citadel's Vault, only specific clue. Yeah. And here we have some character trying to get into the vault, so... Maybe it's too simple to just yeah. think that's two plus two.
0: But the faceless men are not fans of dragons.
1: So the book is called *The Death of Dragons*. and might be trying to look up ways to kill dragons like that. I could see that knowledge being lost because no one's had to deal with dragons in quite a while. So, yeah. But and, and if he's looking for some, if he's looking for something else, I don't know what it could be. But I do think it's that book. I really think no. that's what George has, has spelled out for us. Although he was pretty subtle about it, the clue is pretty is there once you're looking for it and you see mm-hmm. it. It looks pretty s- distinct.
0: Yeah. Um, this, let's move on to our last question from Mary Harrison, um, and then we'll move back to Q&A questions. Um, her question is, what are our favorite chapters?
1: That's a good one. What, what about you? I, I, I have a hard time with that.
0: My fa- <laughs> one of my favorites is actually, um, it's uh, REO1. It's when, he's be, it's when all the sand snakes are introduced and Doran's introduced. And I just think it's a really... I like how it's introduced one by one. Um, how we hear their plans and then we see it contrasted. I like the writing of the, uh, you know, of um, the fruit falling. Um, it's just very visceral. I also really like um, Sansa's um, uh, Snow Castle chapter. Oh. In terms of prose and, and writing and all of that.
1: Uh, I, I was... I was thinking about this question ahead of this recording and I didn't get very far. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I almost wanted to say what's my favorite chapter by book? And even Aww. that's too hard. Some of them are kind of a wash. In Game of Thrones, my favorite chapter might just be the first chapter. It's just mm-hmm. so it just really gets it all kicked off really nicely. But I also just I get fired up by the King of the North, King of the North, even though uh, I, I know it's a total disaster. <laughs> it still fires me up. And from Clash of Kings. I don't know. Uh, I, I like I like the Battle of Blackwater. It's really cool. Although that's not one chapter. That's several chapters. So I can't. I don't know which one. Maybe uh, maybe the, maybe some of the Davos points of view mm-hmm. because Davos is like real nervous about going into battle, and he sees so much, and he has got a lot of interesting uh, insights on on what they can mm-hmm. expect.
0: I just really like the Septon Maribald speech chapter. It's not so much that chapter that I like. It's that speech that I like.
1: Yeah, the broken men speech is amazing. And the Elder Brother, same thing. Like Feast yeah. for Prose, underrated, very yeah. underrated. It's, it's, it's it may not have the most exciting moments in it, but it's got some of the best writing, mm-hmm. some of the saddest writing. Eamon's death is in no, that book yeah, too. Oh yeah. man, let's not talk about that, right? No, 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 <laughs> no. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't answer more distinctly. Yeah. I have a lot. It's really tough. I love the series so much that just elevating one chapter above the others is tough. I did say earlier that I like a lot of the sam chapters because of the history they have in yeah. there so maybe i should go with that i like the sam chapter in feast where he's just talking about the others like and stuff like that and then john cuts him off are oh, talking to like yeah, he's talking tomorrow yeah that's really Marlin. good that's really good too okay right. well we're not getting any farther <laughs> favorite chapters we'll have to move on
0: <laughs> all right our next q a question here as these will read we
1: have from james buchel hey james how you doing It's quite apparent that Miri Mazdoor was the betrayal of blood from Danny's House of the Undying prophecy. So, who do you guys believe Danny's betrayal of gold? I'm not sold. Jorah is one of the betrayals, and who will the betrayal of love be as well? First of all, I agree that Jorah was not one of the betrayals. His betrayal hurt Danny in terms of like psychologically, but it didn't harm her cause really. It didn't. It wasn't like a betrayal that like stopped her from doing what she wanted to do. So, I tend to agree with you that that's not the real betrayal. That was maybe a a red herring betrayal okay so uh, this is a tough question though hmm. but i want to so i want to start off actually by suggesting alternative ways to think about it rather than just giving answers although i'm going to give some answers also note that gold could be betrayed for money like i think that's the common interpretation but it could mean something else like the golden hair of the lannisters i'm not sure how that would connect hmm. but it's just just the line of thinking is what i'm getting at not necessarily that specific example hmm. the golden company
0: yeah yeah
1: We've seen this kind of metaphors a lot. The gold beneath the gold. The bitter steel is, is, is uh, It's not their a- official motto, but it's one of their sayings. And
0: The gold beneath the gold. The
1: gold beneath the gold. And the Lannister gold. That's been many times we've seen that come up. But also we've seen gold refer to crowns and things like that. And, mm-hmm. and money. It's, just, it's a really open-ended question. And if it relates to the Gold Company, it could be someone leaving her yeah. to, to side with Egon and the Golden Company. And I think the most likely candidate for that would be Berriston. Yeah. which is... But that would be the betrayal for love, actually, in my mind, not gold, yeah. because I can't get around why he thinks about Ashara Dane. Yeah. Now, I don't think Ashara Dane is Septa Lamore because mm-hmm. Tyrion would not... Miss, I just think that's bad writing if Septa Lamore is Ashara Dane because Tyrion, like, drools over her body, looks at her <laughs> up and down. How's he not going to notice her purple eyes? Especially <laughs> after he does notice Aegon's and he yeah. does notice Connington's eye color. He, yeah. he points out pretty much everyone's eye color. So... That would be kind of cheap if he just didn't write that, in the so we so we wouldn't catch it. So yeah. I don't think it's Septa Lamora, although I think her identity is interesting. I have don't don't think it's her. So if a turns up alive somehow, that's one of the that's probably the only thing I could see Barristan switching sides for. Although it's possible because he might believe that Rhaegar, if he belie- really believes it's Rhaegar's son, that he would feel okay. honor bound to follow Rhaegar's mm-hmm. son instead of Danny. But that is less less compelling to me as a possibility. I do think it's possible, but I don't know if that's enough to make Barristan change sides. Yeah. So.
0: Do we think it's possible one of the betrayals is someone she hasn't yet um, become close with?
1: That's possible. That is very possible. And that is outside the scope of what I was thinking, partly because it's hard to see who she will meet up with later. But I want to also approach this question, Is another way to think about the question I think is interesting, which is that, okay, when you're thinking about, say, a similar question of unknowns, like, who are the three heads of the dragon? One thing I, that dawned on me one day is that no matter how many candidates you have for the, li- for the three heads of the dragon, it's a short list. Yeah. So you can't possibly – there's not a lot of different po- combinations of possibilities. You know, everyone's like, okay, Danny, and then you know, there's like five, four other possibilities, and that's it, and for two slots. You know? And that's the same thing here. How many people could betray Danny in a way that would actually be really meaningful or matter in a way that is important? So you think about who's important to her, who's close to her? So we're talking about Barristan, Masande. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. You know, okay. Masande betraying her. I really don't see that. Dario, I could see Dario betraying her for gold, though. Maybe not for love. I don't think Dario betray her for love. It might be a, a betrayal of love, but mm, eh, that's tough. Uh, Grey Worm, no way. Grey Worm doesn't betray her. I don't. That's pff, not going to happen. Same with her blood riders. Those are the other the others that are really close to her. Also. Not going to happen. Illyrio, ah, uh, I don't know. Illyrio maybe isn't trustworthy in the first place. <laughs> so I don't know that she uh, should be trusting him. And I think she knows that. I think Jora instilled a healthy uh, mistrust in in him or in her about him and about a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So Jora was good at teaching her to be mistrustful. <laughs> so, uh, like when Ben Brown, Bound Bren Plum, Brown, Ben Plum switched sides. Some people are, I think a lot of us just dismissed that. We were like, that's probably not the betrayal for gold. And it's for the same reason. He didn't do anything. He switched sides, but he didn't attack her. He didn't fight her. And it appears that he's just going to switch back. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Tough question. Good question. Very tough question. But I, I hopefully, since I couldn't give too many specific answers, hopefully my ways of thinking about the question were as enlightening enough or helpful.
0: Okay. So yeah. let
1: us move on to the next question.
0: The next question. This one isn't via the Q and A, is it either? But I it's related so. to this slightly. Um, well, it, it's not really related, but it's a good segue from the Ashara Dane and, and Ah, stuff.
1: true from Ashara. It's yes. not in the
0: Q and A though, right?
1: No, it's not. Okay, so from Drew Hinkus again. If Brandon hadn't died, who would Ned have married? Uh, I, d- I think it might have been. A, you think it might have been a Northern woman, but yeah, I
0: think it's possible. Just just because when you think about like the Lord lord paramounts if Rickard has southern ambitions there just aren't a lot of lord paramounts for him to choose from with marriageable daughters How
1: about ned marrying cersei I have, I have seen a lot of stuff about people
0: like talking about the, what if that had happened yeah which is weird but I, uh, yeah it's like,
1: i i think that if you know if he did didn't marry someone in the north which i think is very possible that he would go outside the north given that he went outside the north with his other kids that it would be someone in the Vale or the Riverlands uh, to shore up those alliances. Because he's already, was obviously trying to get those realms as allies. And he would, you know, nothing like making it stronger. Someone like Tywin points that out, that one marriage is good, but multiple marriages is, is, this, tem- is this tempering the sword of alliance. It's not the exact word he use, but he, he talks about how it's sometimes important to do multiples like that, to really mm-hmm. make it count. Which is what he had in mind with the Tyrells. That's why he was thinking of maybe having Cersei marry, you know, a Tyrell or something like that. Mm-hmm. Willis in particular. So, okay. Let's move on. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, one other possibility. Maybe he would have married Lady Dustin or Lady oh, Riz- yeah. She would have been Lady Rizwell. Yeah, yeah. Or she would have been Lady Stark, really. <laughs> one of
0: the northern women. That yeah, that, that's a possibility. Yeah. I'm manning the questions. And, man, you guys are asking a lot of questions. I'm yes, gonna... good job,
1: folks. Thank I'm... you for all the questions. We'll apologize in advance. At this rate, it looks like we won't get to them all. No. But as I, as we said at the beginning, this will be a regular thing, the Q&A episodes. So if your question doesn't get asked, please post it again. We It's, it's certainly nothing personal. Certainly Ugh. nothing that doesn't say anything about the quality of your question. It's just that <sighs> we have a lot of there's these just questions. a lot I, and we I'm want to trying. answer thoroughly we that's why ask. I'm not
0: answering as many right now because I'm just trying to sort through them all <laughs> let's answer some that are just one off just to clear these out some of the okay. comments um, some responses for instance from Nina Friel. She said, "Personally, I like the one I saw for House Reed within our sight."
1: Ooh, that's a good that's one. A yeah, good for one. Again, that's the House Mottos thing again. That's a good one. I yeah. like that. Within our sight. Yeah, I like and it. And then
0: we have green with envy. Yeah, <laughs> we have um, another good one. Um, a nice message to Nina Friel <laughs> right here. Says, Nina, you're, real, awesome. you're
1: awesome. I love your essays and recording. Felicia, I'm Thanks, well, Felicia, for saying that to Nina. And we're, thanks for yeah, being a fan of us agree. as well. We agree. Yes, yes. Yes.
0: Um, now let's see some other easy responses. Um, maybe not so short, but this one's a good one to make sure we answer. Well, okay,
1: yeah. What advice do you have for someone considering starting a podcast unrelated to a song of ice and fire? Okay. Uh, from Robert Neal. Great question. I would say for someone starting a podcast, I think. You have to keep in mind that you need to stick with it. We have been doing this for several years now. We're we're past three years now. And for the first couple of years, it was just kind of a hobby. It was fun. We took it. You know, we, we put our work into it. We put the effort in. But we, it was mostly for fun. But we waited. We were very patient with allowing our subscriber base to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you cannot allow yourself to get too discouraged by because it takes time. Mm -hmm. The main thing that has allowed our podcast to spread is word of mouth. And that takes a while to take effect. When someone tells you, hey, this podcast I heard is great. Most people aren't just going to go immediately go listen to it <laughs> the next day or the but same day. A few but eventually, later. after hearing a few times, like, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to check that podcast. So, yeah, a few months later, maybe they check it out. And then a few weeks later, they finally realize, hey, you know, I really like this podcast. So yeah. it yeah. takes a while. So I got to say, you got to be patient. Yeah. And you just make sure, don't make the mistakes we did at the beginning, which huh. was get, your, get a decent microphone right away, figure out how to not have bad quality, figure out how to make it right.
0: Out how explaining
1: to... all that in this would be, it would take too long yeah. to go through the details of that. Yes. But get, get a list and follow it. Make a, like a checklist of, of, of steps before recording. Say, I want to do this. I want to turn off all the sounds in my house, turn off my phone. So I don't get that. i you know, make it, make a checklist, update it, follow it, get a procedure. Cause there's so mm-hmm. many things that go into this that you, you can forget. We're always forgetting little steps.
0: Yeah. Um, my tips are just, I don't know what your subject would be, but, Be passionate and be prepared. Um, Yeah, be that's a huge one. I should have said that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's unpleasant to hear someone, what, what, who is this, what's this guy's name? I don't know. (laughs) Like, look it up. Just have someone look it up or look it up beforehand or don't make the listener have to listen to you talk about who this person is you don't know for five minutes.
1: Yeah, I I think that's huge. I think that's something that people responded to us a lot. When we were starting off, we got that kind of feedback a lot that they appreciated how prepared we were. Um, So I would say that, that worked for us. I can imagine it works for everyone. I think everyone appreciates when you take their time into consideration. You know, we have long episodes, but it's, you know, we jam them full of information. It's not there's not a lot of wasted time in there. Mm-hmm. Not that other people do that. I'm just <laughs> saying this is our way of doing it.
0: Um, let's move on to a question from Yoke Boy. Yeah,
1: similar somewhat similar question somewhat similar. in the same vein anyway. Why did you start podcasting? Well, hello Yoke Boy from England. Mm-hmm. We're uh, always happy to hear from you, and we're we'll ho- looking forward to having you back as a guest at some point. Now, why did we start podcasting? Well, myself, I started because I was invited to. I started paying attention to this podcast when it was new, when Steve Mangiamele started it, and I w- he, we had a mutual friend, and it was uh, the mutual friend suggested that, I, that that we work together, and I helped him out. I was just like, giving him some advice and helping him out and answering some questions, And it just kind of took off from there. But honestly, the other thing that was really important was that I listened to a lot of Hardcore History, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, which is one of the biggest podcasts there is. And a lot of the things that I was just giving advice about on starting podcasts, the things I got from, are things I got from him. Not Mm -hmm. that he told me personally, just things that I learned by listening to him. Mostly the thing that Ashea said, which was to be enthusiastic, to be passionate. Mm He makes history interesting. He's some his some of his episodes are five hours long, <laughs> and even and four hours in, he's still like talking like I am right now, like he's like yeah, like and then this happened, and then yes. this happened, and what can you imagine how they felt and all this, and it really it keeps me listening, keeps me engaged. Like two hours later, I'm still like, yeah, what's happened? I'm ignoring everything around me because I'm just so intent on what's happening. So, yeah, that's really important, I, and and so that showed me. I I I knew I, I know that I'm a person that can be enthusiastic about things that I'm interested. So I'm like, hey, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what topic, but I can do that. And then the, the idea of Song of Ice and Fire came. I was like, I can do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, Shay, what about you, though? I, I kind of hogged that question. Yeah, you
0: did. <laughs> um, Aziz had joined it. Um, I'm actually in the first episode that Aziz is in. Um, it was a call-in. Like, it was very different technology to what we're using now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was in that one, just barely, just my voice. And then, um, cat in the way. And then I, I a couple episodes in, they wanted another guest and I live here. So it just <laughs> kind enough. of worked out. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll be on it. And it was pretty fun. And then it got to be the point where Aziz needed someone. He didn't want to do it alone, really. It's just harder to record alone than it is yeah. to have someone to just take a break stop talking for a minute so it just different I just, voices so i just sort of fell into it um, as you can see when he has other guests sometimes i just take a break and i'm not in it because it's it's uh, a lot of work to record these things yeah so. and you're and you're a full-time student which yeah. you
1: know you have lots a lot of time that's uh taken up by that which is you know that's just the way it should be <laughs> um but it is what it is oh, yeah. it does take a lot so of time so we
0: both just sort of fell into it neither of us had that let's start the podcast moment oh. yeah
1: that's true uh, we it wasn't a, yeah it wasn't it, it was very gradual and it it gra- yeah. gathered steam gradually and here we are
0: yeah. i'd like um, to
1: think that one more thing i want to say on that is that we've always had an attitude of, of gradually trying to improve the show sometimes it's very slow our changes come very slow but very surely we've upgraded our technology we've upgraded our background we've upgraded our methodology yeah. for recording that's stuff that's not necessarily apparent to all you on the other end um only in the results yeah. obviously we've put out we're putting out episodes more frequently
0: mm-hmm. and
1: we're putting a lot more time into it because it's now majority of my living at this point and I'm trying to make it my full living so <laughs> great yeah. question thanks Yoko. um
0: here's another great question um also related to the podcasting subject here one Love you guys They said
1: Well thanks well, And then they asked
0: us What the one collab is That we haven't done That we would like to do From the Archmagus Eternal, Eternal.
1: Hmm that's a um, great question. I don't know.
0: That <laughs> yeah, definitely is an interesting question.
1: There obviously, are a lot of
0: obviously the dream collaboration is George R. R. Martin. So <laughs> you cannot yeah. get that question. <laughs> might, to as well say that. Yeah, might as well dream big. Might as well dream
1: um, big. Wow, I really, I really don't know. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of other podcasters that we could collab with, but some of them we have collabed with.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of our uh, our favorites. Yeah, we have on. We never have had Nina Friel on herself.
1: Yeah, that that'll we happen. We haven't virtually.
0: actually had her on, but that, that's going to happen that seems
1: like an inevitability
0: technically counts
1: yeah um yeah
0: i guess we don't have a great answer (laughs) um.
1: it would be kind of fun to bring in it would be neat to like maybe be able to talk to some of the people involved with the production not of the show necessarily that would be cool too of some of the people behind the scenes in the book you know like maybe like the editor and roll for example or someone else that's worked with george yeah. Or you know, actually, a collab that we are planning on doing at some point is we've been in contact with some of the guys that do the histories and lore videos, or at one guy from the histories and lore videos, and he's apparently a fan of ours. We're certainly a fan of theirs. Oh yeah, and he's a fan of House Harlaw, so we thought maybe we'd do a House Harlaw video with him at some point. Yeah, that was so very cool. That's something that's um, on the shelf as a possibility.
0: Obviously, we're doing a kind of collaboration with that artist of the map because we helped him. It's not a collaboration as in on our end, but we're collaborating with him on his end. I suppose that counts.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, I'd say those are our top choices then.
1: Well, you you all certainly can make suggestions on people you think oh, yeah. you'd like us to collaborate with. That's, That's certainly a, a good valid to do it. option. Yes, a good time to do it as well. All yeah. right, let's, let's go to the next question.
0: I uh, Here's a good Dunkin' Egg one that I like. Okay. Myself. I'm totally not being fair with this. I'm just choosing whichever one's look Good yeah, imagine. people
1: have gotten two questions answered. Some haven't yeah. gotten any, but we're not doing we're not doing that on purpose. I'm,
0: yeah, I'm not scrolling down to the bottom right now, so I'm sorry. Get your, get your a lot questions of these, upvoted. A lot of
1: these are but, upvoted. Yeah, we're yeah. picking some of the ones that have the most votes on them, so that's a big part of it as well. Yeah. Anyway, the question um, is, will the Duncan Egg title, The Village Hero, take place at Penny Tree? It would be very close to Raven Tree and Beth of Blackwood. Now, of course, the significance of that is Beth of Blackwood is Egg's eventual wife. Yes. So having them meet when they're young only to meet again later yeah. would be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do think that... I don't know if it'll be at Pennytree, but I think it's a great possibility. Mm-hmm. And I do think it will be in the Riverlands. I do think yeah. that it's likely, based on where they're at now, they're still in the, they're in the Riverlands now. That's and
0: possible. Also, that's where we'll see the ghost of, I, of High Heart.
1: Yes, that's very true. And look, getting a look at her 100 years ago, <laughs> very well, maybe yeah. more like 80 years ago, was <laughs> very interesting. In general, I just... Oh, man, the Dunkin' eggs. I almost look forward to those as not not as much as T. Wild, but but close. Because <laughs> uh-huh. I just love the old stuff.
0: All, All right, right. Uh, let's question. move on to. This is one that we is very quick to answer. Is the Pate that Sam will meet at the Citadel, at Faceless Man? Yes, it's Jake.
1: Anthony Hargan Jr. Yes, yes. we are ninety nine point nine percent sure about that. The description of this of the Alchemist, which is Pate, by the time he's he switches from the Alchemist to Pate. When he's the alchemist, the description of his face is almost word for word identical to the face that Arya sees when Jaqen departs yes. company, parts her company with yes. her. So um, it's just, too, it's just like almost identical. So there's, there's really not much room there for it to be anything else, I think. Yes. Or it's George's... Really, really tricked us.
0: (laughs) The next question is our current top-voted question. Two people have asked it. This one, though, is from Euron (laughs) Eye. Great
1: name. (sighs) How old do you think Melisandre really is, and what is her story? Do you subscribe to Yoke Boy's theory that Shiera plus Bloodraven equals Melisandre?
0: Yeah. Well. Personally, I've never been a big fan of secret, hidden, ancestry theories, but... As these theories go, this one is not insane. Team.
1: No, yeah, not at all. Uh, the other person asked this question, by the way, Sir Adam the Consumator. Thanks to Sir Adam and to Euron Calzai. I'd, yeah, to, first of all, to answer the, the initial part of the question, how old do you think she is? I think she's at least 100 years old. I, I've seen estimates as high as 400. But once you're past 100, I, yeah. there's just really no way to guess like, huh? how much older than that she is. But I do think that her appearance is not what, she, what it seems. I do think she's much older than it looks like. But, of course, we don't hear about children between Bloodrave and and, Sh- and Shiera. So, not that we necessarily would have. But it, it does make sense that they would have kids. They were lovers for a long time. You know, are we supposed to assume that she was infertile? Or that he was? It's, it's possible. Yeah. So, if they have kids out there, well, Melisandre's probably the best potential we have. So, I think I'm... I wouldn't say I'd say it's 50-50. But if it's anywhere near 50-50, you can't call it crackpot. So I do not call it Crackpot. I think it's a very reasonable... It's, it's, on, the, it's on the cusp of Crackpot, perhaps. Hmm. But it's believable. There's nothing that just outright eliminates it. There's nothing that just says, no, this couldn't possibly <laughs> be true. So for that reason, it, it remains. And I kind of like it. I know I, another thing, I've, though, that strike against it is that, what's the point? What's the purpose of it?
0: Hmm.
1: I don't know. Is there a literary purpose? There doesn't always have to be a literary purpose. But there does have to be a literary purpose if it's a central plot point. This probably isn't a central plot point. It might just be an interesting reveal. Mm. Yeah. So, but we'll have to see, I suppose. (laughs) I
0: found the next question now. Okay. It's here from Vincent Amore.
1: What do you think will happen to Cersei ultimately? Even if she survives the trial by combat, what will become of her? And furthermore, how will the Tyrells punish her for trying to lawn job their garden? Well put.
0: (laughs) Uh Well... I think one common theory that I'm a fan of is that, well, we're going to see Casterly Rock. And it's possible that Cersei is the way that we see Casterly Rock and that she'll end up back there. Especially
1: because we're told we're not going to get new point of views except yeah. for the epilogue So chorus.
0: it's possible it's someone else at Casterly Rock, of course. It's possible it's Jamie, for instance. But I think it's Cersei. That doesn't exactly answer your question, but it's one of my thoughts.
1: And I think that if she goes to Casterly Rock, that implies that she will survive a while. And I kind of think that anyway. I think that... For one thing, Tom and Marcella probably have to die before she dies, and I. She's also kind of a survivor. I don't know. Mm-hmm. She's just. I think that the Valancar prophecy is fairly accurate, so she's going to have to suffer greatly and see her children die before she goes out. So I think she might not even make. I think she might make it through this book. Maybe maybe won't die till the final book.
0: Yeah.
1: I do think she will not survive the series. I'm <laughs> confident that she won't survive the series. Fairly confident, and fairly also fairly confident that she won't die in the next book. That'll it be later. I think that things are going to get really awful, that she's going to lose power, and no one's going to care about her anymore. If she loses power, getting rid of her is just something that people want to do because they hate yeah. her, but it doesn't become important anymore, because she doesn't have, if she doesn't have power, she's no longer a threat, and there will be plenty of other threats that will take precedence over her. It'll be like, man, I wish I could get my revenge on Cersei, but there's this invading army, <laughs> which, and take your pick, there's going to be several.
0: Uh-huh. That we're good with that question. Well, actually I, so, I no. should comment
1: on the Tyrells. Okay. The Tyrells are particularly who I'm speaking of when I think they're mm. going to be too busy <laughs> dealing with the trial, the Golden Company, and the uh, young Griff's Aegon slash and per- perhaps eventually Danny, and perhaps the invasion of the others. On top of all of that, so Cersei dealing with Cersei might become like a luxury for them, <laughs> like <laughs> something they'd love to do, but just don't have time for. Yeah. All right.
0: good with that, then? Yeah. All right. Let's move on to this question because we can mainly um, tell them to watch a different video. Okay. Um, it's in the Winds of Winter, the Winds of Winter spoilers for the Elaine chapter. Not, not too big. We see Daddy Kettleblack arrive in the Vale. Do you think he will confirm Sansa's identity to the Mad Mouse and or tell Sansa what happened to Jane Poole? Assuming he was in King's Landing when Jane was sent off to Winterfell as fake Arya. From Jen K, and you can watch our Elaine spoiler chapter, our, our Vale spoiler chapter. Uh, you'll get a lot. Is. You'll
1: get a more thorough answer. That I'll give you a brief answer for now. Thanks for the question. Um, I don't know. I have no idea if if she, if Oswell I believe it is, yeah. <laughs> which uh-huh. I was with those kettle mixed up is afraid, yeah. <laughs> is uh is the one that's uh, is very concerned for his son's lives right now. All three of them are facing death. And one of them is going to die almost certainly. The other two are their choice of the wall or facing Sir Robert Strong. So they'll probably choose the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so he's definitely uh, somebody I think that could sell out, could betray Peter Baelish because Baelish may not care about what happens to his sons, and it's <laughs> Peter who put his sons in the position that they're in right now as double slash triple agents. So he could be looking for a way to turn the tables to in order to save his sons. And that could indeed involve spilling some of his secrets, yeah. and one of those, probably the biggest secret he has is Santa's real identity. So yeah, I could see that happening. But mm-hmm. like we said, like I said, more thoroughly answered in yeah. our uh, Veil vale spoiler chapter video, published, uh, I think it was around June or March, or June or May, rather.
0: It would have been May, because it was before we saw George read it in person. Ah,
1: yes, you're right, May. Uh, Halfway through the TV season. Yeah.
0: Anyways, um, to move on, uh, this question is interesting. From A.U. Pack Mule. I have been thinking about Bloodraven and his name not being a normal Targaryen name. It's a Tully name. And is that significant? Well, I'd say it's a Riverlands name. Brendan yeah. is just... I'm sure it's just uh, just across all the Riverlands.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, because he's... It's uh, basically because of his Blackwood name. It is interesting that... that it could still be that's...
0: significant in a, in a, you know, um, out-of-the-book out of uh, sense.
1: I think it might be partly because... Melissa Blackwood was so well loved by mm-hmm. by King Aegon the, the Unworthy, and it may be that he let her do the naming. Yeah. Maybe he let her give the name because he cared for her so much. And yeah, because we giving see Agor.
0: And, yeah,
1: Agor certainly is very uh, Targaryen. We don't know. Shira we don't know other Agors. Yeah, Shiera. I don't know not what that so is. Much.
0: <laughs> it's more like Serenae than. Yeah, that, yeah, that sounds Lycean. Like, it would be yeah. like Shara, but it could have been kind of an amalgamation. Of yeah, that. yeah, that's true. Um, it's definitely reminiscent of Shara, which is a. Yeah, Targaryen name. I don't know. It's interesting. I've never actually thought about that before. That's a good question. Yeah, thanks uh, for the question.
1: A you pack mule. Yeah.
0: Next question. <laughs> I'll do this one. Who is the
1: greatest hand of the king any monarch could wish for? Wink, wink. Well, you we certainly couldn't wish for better than you, Cash Craig. But within the story.
0: Yes.
1: Whew. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would say Tywin. I don't think I would say Bloodraven. Except Barth, I would say Septon Barth. Yeah, yeah I would say Septon Barth.
0: Davos Seaworth might be decent. He's trying real hard, but he's still not going to beat Septon Barth. Yeah. But he's trying. Oh, but Tyrion's real good.
1: And yeah, so I think that's I think that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I yeah. think um, I, I, we love Barth so much; it's hard to pick somebody else.
0: <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Yeah. In Barth, we trust. In
1: Barth, we do trust. We trust yeah. a lot. Okay, what's next?
0: That's what I'm trying to decide. I was hoping that we'd take you a joke about that for a minute. Here's, a good... <laughs> Here's another funny comment for another house motto. for House Clegane. Our bite is worse than our Barth. <laughs> Pretty funny. From Iceland.
1: <laughs> That's a good one. I like it. Yeah, hey, Iceland. That's a good one.
0: All right. Here's a good question. What POV character... We'll have the last chapter in the last novel, novel, *A Dream of Spring*. Will it even be a f- famous POV char- character, or, as I think, will it be a third-person chapter? I think that's
1: that's a really possible. good question. I think
0: that's very likely. Uh, yeah, I think it's a good question. I've thought about it before. Um,
1: I don't think it'll be a third-person chapter. That all yeah, I'll, that that I think much like I, I I I don't I could be wrong obviously, but I, think I it'll be
0: like an epilogue with because like the epilogues are different. The, the epilogues aren't our main characters. Yeah, so. I mean, that.
1: I could see it being an epilogue. It could be another... It wouldn't be... That wouldn't be third person. No, it wouldn't yeah, be third person. It, I that. could see it being some person, like a maester or something, just writing like this is what happened yeah. like maybe giving like a summary like so he's yeah. writing down the, the, cool. the events of It'll the war the maester, for the dawn
0: the maester that wrote the world of icing fire <laughs> <Zane laughs> yandel Man. oh that would be
1: great if maester yandel is the rat- last chapter wow that would be really cool
0: i never got to give him my book <laughs> i'm
1: still that's holding really cool. on to the world of icing fire someone take this from me <laughs>
0: yeah that's our answer then i suppose if it's um, one of
1: the pov characters though I'm gonna go with Sansa. You know Sansa,
0: really? Yeah, because that's I think she or... is gonna
1: be the least. Like she's gonna have. I think she's set to have one of the happier endings. Yeah. I think the endings are gonna. I think Bran is gonna probably still be stuck in the tree. That's why I think it's
0: more likely to be Bran. Yeah, it could be seeing everything that's happening. But I think so. It, you get the, the, uh, sum, yeah. the summation okay. of all the characters. He be could Bran. be seeing
1: it all. Yeah, that's a good. That's a very good point. I just think that if it's, I think if he wants to have like a kind of a, sem- a, a semi happy ending, I know you said it's going to be bittersweet. <laughs> that Sans is a good good way to show that because she's the person that started off thinking it was the story was like to have a happy ending. She's uh-huh. the one who always thinks about stories with happy endings uh-huh. and how the heroes always win. So she's kind of a good one to be like to reflect back on how that was not the case, or <laughs> though it sort of was. Anyway, so I think that's the best we can do with that one.
0: Mm-hmm. All right,
1: so. What is next?
0: Yeah, what? Yeah, hey, this one sounds fun. Do you have a personality that you wish you could get more material from George R. R. Martin on, or perhaps written another way? If you could receive enough material to produce an episode on one historical personality, who would it be and why?
1: All right, thanks for that's from Jim McGeehan, aka oh, something yeah. like a lawyer. So,
0: so it is.
1: Thanks for that one. Uh, Very good. Ooh, Very fun question. question.
0: Well, I have to think about, well, some characters, there's more I would like to know about them, but we at least know something about them. Like, Nymeria of the Ro- Roinar, we've been Good, kind right. of working on an episode on her for a while, and I'd love to learn more, and there's way more we could learn, but we know a lot about her compared to other characters. For me, I would like to know... I'd like to know more about Alice Rivers, where she went. Um, yeah, it's Alice like a Rivers mystery a very small movie. character, but I'm curious well, too. That. I'd also like to know... Um, there's one. I'd like to know a lot about that Jynera Belar- Belaris who traveled to Sothoryos. I'd like to see her travels.
1: Yeah, I would like to know about her. I was like, Give me more Targaryens. Give me more, 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 Tar- Tar- more Valyrians yeah. or something. That's,
0: I think that's <laughs> my answer. Just more Valyrian actual. Like we know one Valyrian house. Literally one Valyrian house other than House Targaryen. And that's Belaris. Interesting.
1: I would also like to know more about Prince Eamon the Dragon Knight, that's a good mm-hmm. one. Although I think that his personality might be a little, he might be a little, uh, <laughs> you know, he kind of might, might be a little not interesting because he's so straightforward. But
0: I, I just want to know the, the name of Doran's mother's name, the princess, the unnamed <laughs> princess of Doran. Just like we know some about her. I just want to know her name. That's what I want.
1: Cregan Stark would be another one. Oh, that's a really yeah, good one. I want yeah. to know more about Cregan Stark. Yeah. Uh, this was a question that I wish I had seen in yeah. advance of the episode so I could have more time to think about yeah. it. But that—that's from the top of my head. I, that, yeah. Those are some good ones. I'm sure there's yeah, other ones that good, I haven't thought
0: good of. Thoughts? Um, leave us. Tell us what you think. Oh, and huh. Low
1: Long Spoon. You know oh, the well, dude—the uh, dude that eats brains. The no. ET guy that ate no. brains. No, oh. I'm just I'm i I want to hear
0: about Lomas Longstrider and all his travels. Oh yeah, really
1: Lomas Longstrider. Excellent. So you
0: can find out the other wonders of the world. In that case. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's so many good choices. I I really would like to see all of your comments on who you want to see. But, let's move on. Here
1: we have from George Fraley. Any tips for things to pay attention to when reading A Song of Ice and Fire a second time? Well, yeah. there. I, I have a, a good way to think about things when you're reading it a second time, is to... Consider what you're getting out of what you're reading and think about whether it feels similar or not. And then if it feels familiar, maybe you need to look a little deeper. Hmm. Um, also, a lot of it just jumps out at you because George puts something we've been saying for years George puts the answer to riddles before he gives you the riddle itself. You're going to see a lot of that. You'll be like, oh, this, he told us right here before we even knew who these characters even were or what they were doing. Yeah. He does a lot of that. Uh, so I'd say there's maybe not anything specific, but if you, if you look very much into how George describes things, he puts a lot of detail in how the characters perceive what's around them. Like the example that Mary Harrison's question earlier about the clouds and Santa seeing the clouds. There's lots of little things like that, where George is very sneaky and subtle with what he's showing you. So maybe that was kind of a vague way to answer the question, <laughs> but uh, I did want to answer that. I did want to address that because yes. I think it's such a huge thing. It's so important to read the books again. There's just it's, it's just so much George intentionally wrote them to be reread. He, he uh-huh. was like, I'm going to write books that people uh-huh. are going to want to reread several uh-huh. times, and he succeeded pretty pretty thoroughly there.
0: Uh-huh. All right, let's move on to this long question. Okay,
1: Jeff London. Yeah. Where's the Iron Couch? When will George R. R. Martin publish wins? You think the issue is a high-guard knees knot or a writer's block compounded by all the pressure? Remember, Storm was out 21 months after Clash, and he wrote a ton for World of Ice and Fire, so we know he can produce. All right, a couple of different questions there.
0: I think one... It's just way easier for him to write World of Ice and Fire. Yeah. He can produce just like it's way easier for him to write about the sad puppy stuff. It's just easier. It's maybe even relaxing. It's right? not,
1: he's not dealing with like inner thoughts of a of a, of a yeah, imaginary of human being. It's, it's just webs. facts. So and...
0: it is kind of that knot type of thing. He's. It's a series is a knot uh, <laughs> as a whole. Uh, I don't know that I think it's specifically related to the High garden Old Town, like all the, the Reach attack. I don't know that, that. But I, I definitely think it's just harder, and I think that I think that he just has wanted to write more about World of Ice and Fire stuff, honestly, for a while. Yeah, that's I, what it seemed like.
1: And I, I do think that Winds is pretty likely to come out next year. I am not super <laughs> optimistic about it coming out before the TV season, but I think it's a, a fair bet that it will come out next year. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't, but I do think there's a good chance it will. As far as where is the iron couch? Well, it's off camera over there. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> it's there's not multiple it, iron couch. It's in this not room. A,
1: It's actually not that comfortable. It's not great for. It's too low. It was too low to the ground <laughs> for us <laughs> to get our posters <laughs> in. It just didn't, It just wasn't right. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, we did move it. I, uh, I real, forgot about uh, that. Real I quick. We even had that.
1: Before. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I kind used of I didn't used to get call it the question iron couch until just now. It's been a while. Yeah, we didn't yeah. use the iron couch this year at all. That's 2014. Yeah. Real quick, shout-out to Peter Blaze of the Emerald Isle, captain of the Werewood Wanderers. To long lives, quick deaths, cold beer, and warm women.
0: <laughs> That's, That's a nice.
1: pretty good sellsword company motto there. That's a, uh, that is a Patreon sellsword plug there, so yeah. check that out if you want to get your own sellsword company and motto. Check out History of Westeros on patreon.com. Now, let's move on to the next question.
0: All right, I wanted to move on to this question. From Suze Stewart, which was interesting. Okay.
1: Fandom has fun assigning and predicting many characters as as Azor Ahai, the prince that was promised, etc., and I'm no exception. But do you think that all of this focus overinflates their significance to the actual narrative? Yeah, I kind of do. It kind of depends on where you're sitting, like what you've read and what you haven't.
0: What you've written and what you haven't? Yeah.
1: (laughs) But and then what forums you read or who you talk to or, or what but i do think it's a little bit exaggerated because i don't think this because it once so, is sort of touching back on the things i said before about how the show the show this the story is about the characters it's about their struggle within this fantasy this fantasy world so these prophetic savior characters i think they're going to end up being more human and they're not going to be as saviory as they really sound like they're going to be they're going to be important people are going to write about them but these saviors that came long before, the ones that are prophesized, the reason people talk about them like that is because over the centuries and the eons, it's like myths. They get blown out of proportion. It's like, nobody does anyone really believe the Grey King you know, slew a giant sea dragon by himself or that Durin's god grief actually, actually stood up to the <laughs> gods and <laughs> wasn't, they didn't kill him when, he, when they tried to? These are stories that are blown out of proportion the longer they exist. You know, It's like the game, telephone game. So I think that the importance of these saviors is sort of along the same lines. They're going to be important, but they're not these world beating figures. And the story is going to be about groups of people and group efforts, humanity versus the others, perhaps, rather than these individual heroes. Mm -hmm. Although they are important. Mm -hmm. They're just not the focus, I think. I mean, Arya is not going to be any of those characters. Arya is not... Azor Ahai she's not the prince that was promised she's not the great stallion but can anyone doubt Arya is really important to the story yeah so that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. I don't think that Jon Snow is more important than Arya, but I think Jon Snow is probably A's or A high. You know, he's
0: differently important.
1: He's differently important. I mean, he's yeah. more impactful yeah. in terms of the others and the, yeah. that. If you call that the main storyline, but as far as the reader's experience, I don't think he's more important.
0: Mm-hmm. And this moves on to a question similar to that from our friend Geek Furious. Hey, Geek who Furious, right? Has on. a nice Star Wars podcast of his own. Yeah. He asks, since
1: George loves the Scouring of the Shire and has spoken so highly of it wouldn't it make sense for his final book to not be about the great fight between large-scale opponents, but a smaller, more personal insurgency that affects the main characters? Yeah, I guess I kind of answered that, uh, sort of.
0: I think it's an interesting thought. I'd always... I'd never exactly... I always thought A Dream of Spring would deal a lot with that large scale battle but I, I, it would be interesting if it was more focused on the aftermath than I'm thinking.
1: I think it will be a bit of both. I think a we're going to see both, the large scale but we'll also I'm, see the human conflict. But
0: conflicts. I'm thinking it'll be more even and it'd be interesting if it was really just more about the aftermath sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, kind of interesting. Yeah I
1: think that uh, so too and, and it's interesting to think about the title of Dream of Spring is that um, that they're dreaming like uh, when will we have spring again? Yeah, <laughs> you know, Or yeah. is it like ah spring has come I don't know which we'll get. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Maybe by, I think by the actual end of the story, it won't be they won't be sitting around in snowdrifts ten feet <laughs> deep. But. yeah,
0: you, you got to think. <laughs> All right, question. Okay. Uh, do you believe Sam will ever return to the wall? I hope so.
1: Yeah, I think so.
0: Well, I, maybe not. I think it's possible he gets his information to the wall some other way.
1: Yeah, and I think that maybe the wall isn't going to be e- yeah. either. It may not be there he by the time he gets be back to reunited
0: it. with John, or maybe not with John, but like with some sort of you know. Not quite John, but, uh, or other Knights Watchmen, but not at the wall. If they've all been pushed to south, you know, I could see him. I don't <laughs> think he's going to die in Old Town. That's one thing. <laughs> I don't think so, but I, I would be very brokenhearted. That would be... Uh, I don't want Sam to die.
1: <laughs>
0: but, uh... So yeah, we're just we're not we're not entirely. Sure if that
1: there's is. a wall for him to return to, I think he'll go there. But if yeah. if he if there isn't, then well then he can't.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a good point. If it's there, this is a good one. It's just a comment. Since you love Dan Carlin, I should say that a parody of Dan's podcast was released called Hardcore Game of Thrones, telling the story of Westerosi history, imitating Dan's style. It's fantastic. I have not heard of this. I'll say I did see this, and I kept forgetting to mention it to Aziz. I saw it somewhere on Reddit. I have not. Heard I of haven't this. listened to it. I saw people commenting saying that he does his style so well that they f- almost forgot that it wasn't him. Cool. It's like well, he imitates I'm, his voice. And I, I, must, I must check this out you. then. Yes. So he'll check it out and Thank you for you. that. That was Ciron. from, yeah, that was from Kirone. <laughs> Alright. What? Here we uh, go. Let's ask this weeks. one from Geek okay. Furious. This is related to what we were saying um, about Nettles before.
1: How important do you think the story of Nettles is to future books? I don't
0: know if it's important to the future books.
1: Nettles really threw a monkey wrench in the whole idea of what it takes to ride a dragon. Yeah. She really caused a, a lot of, I don't want to say controversy, that's way too strong of a word, but a lot Second of debate. Second guessing? Yeah. yeah. She, a lot of people use her as evidence that you don't need to have dragon blood to ride a dragon. And I think that's, there's some merit to that idea, although comments from George, which I can't really get into right now because I don't have them in front of me to, uh-huh. to refer to, really strongly indicate you do need the right blood. Yeah, she might that have... means, and there's no reason to think Nettles doesn't have Targaryen blood, it's just no reason to assume she did either. Some people say because she's dark-skinned, she's not Targaryen. It's like, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that is definitely
0: ridiculous <laughs> That is topic.
1: ridiculous. Brown Dead Plum is brown, and he has Targaryen yeah. blood. Okay, so yeah. that, we can throw that out right I'll
0: there. All of Egg's relatives. Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, and yeah, right. Uh, Aegon the fourth's kids with um, with the black pearl, yeah, Uh,
0: yeah, and uh, that's true as well.
1: So, I think this all all it takes is just like it says some Targaryen princeling went down to the docks, found himself a summer Islander woman, and there you go, you know, use your imagination. (laughs) So, but as far as how important she is to the story. I don't know that she's important in the story but I think her example is important and it, it, it's I think I think George intentionally did that to maybe throw us off the scent a little bit to maybe give it make make a debatable
0: So sometimes there's not concrete answers. Yeah, which he loves
1: the to do that. He loves to do that. He loves yeah. to be like, "Nope, you don't know for sure." Yeah.
0: <laughs> this next question um it maybe was asked in the Q&A. This the question is not coming from the Q&A though. It's Who is the harpy from, from David Franklin? David
1: Franklin, right. Okay, uh a strong case is made by Miranese Blots, Adam Feldman, yeah, for Skaha's,
0: which we hadn't read actually when we first when we did our uh,
1: our Slayers Bay episode, episode, which was more than two years ago. That yeah, was a long time ago. Now, I don't. I think it's a strong argument, but I'm not convinced that killing Skaha or killing Danny is in Skaha's best interest. No matter what, any way you slice it, he is anti-establishment, and the establishment is still very powerful. So, without Danny keeping the establishment in check, that's a big problem. He's got to. Keep her. Her alliance is really important. He, I think, even though their goals aren't completely aligned, there's still a lot of that they need to do together. That he needs her for, even if it's not exactly what he wants her to do. And I think there's a problem with the theory in general. I just don't think there is a harpy. Why would there be one leader harpy? That doesn't make sense to me because the Marinese Mir- the, uh, the the leaders of this insurgency, the resistance movement against Danny, is made up of the great masters of marine and their, their family and their hirelings, and, and it's their power that's making this happen. They didn't have a king. They didn't have one ruler. So why would their shadow organization have one ruler? I think they're the, the harpy is just a term that they throw on it because that's, it's, it's simple. But I don't think there's just one leader. There's s- several. And they probably argue about what to do just like they did when they were in charge in the open. So that's, that's, what, that's how I feel about that. I don't think that... I think the Green Grace, and Mo Resnack, they're all possibly involved. But I don't think any one of them is the de facto leader, is calling the shots. Certainly don't think it's his dar, although he might be more aware of things than he was being told from, you know, from Barristan. So uh, it's a developing situation, but yeah, I don't think that, that there's one harpy. So I think that there's a, that's the a fundamental difference in how I see the problem in the first place.
0: We're not going to go into any spoilers about this. It's just, have you guys been all over the Watchers on the Wall spoilers for the next season? If so, what's got you the most excited? We have been. Things have us excited. We're not going to talk about them because we're trying to keep to A Song of Ice and Fire. If we haven't answered your, you know, TV show question, that's why. Um, uh, I
1: will say also that I'm glad this, that, we used, that you picked this question in particular because yeah. I want to say that Watchers on the Wall uh, is great. Yes. And... We're happy, we're, we're thankful to them for promoting us oh, a little yeah. bit as well, so we're happy to return the favor. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, I'm, I can say something that's not spoilery about next season I'm excited okay. about, and that's some of these great new actors that they've, that oh, they've yeah. cast, so
0: yeah. I won't
1: name them by name, yeah, but, but a lot of them, actors. like some big names, and I'm very excited about that, That's just because that's one thing the show has really done consistently well, is casting. Yeah. Um, whether Even if the guys don't look right, or whatever, the people always act, their the acting is always top notch, so...
0: And that was uh, from Felicia Ahmad. I don't know if I said her, last na- her name. Or I keep forgetting to say names. <laughs> uh, let's move on to back to the books. From Joey Coletti. Who is one character you wish was still alive and one character you wish was dead? I love you guys and I watch you, watch you every day. Keep up the good work. Very nice comment. Thank you, thank you. Any answers from you, Aziz, mm, on that? One uh, character
1: I wish was dead. That one's harder. One character I wish was still alive. yeah. It's hard because it would
0: change so much of the narrative of the story. A lot of characters. Like, you say Ned or you say Rob or anything like that. Not that they would be my answers necessarily, but it changes a lot.
1: Uh, I'd say Maester Lewin. That's one that uh, wouldn't change the story a lot that I'd really yeah. like to see because I kind of want him to see what happened with uh, the Star Kids. He must she you know, have him learn. And he at least got the mercy of learning that Rick and Bran were still alive. Yeah. Which was great. And there's. That would be a reason to, to wish that Catelyn was alive so she could learn that her kids were still yeah. alive, too. Although maybe Lady Stoneheart will learn yeah. that, so that will be sort of taken care of.
0: <laughs> Characters I wish were dead? That's a tough <laughs> question. Yeah, I want kind of dead. I stumped with that one, actually. I want dead. <laughs> That's who I want dead.
1: Yeah, um, Ramsey needs to die, definitely. Who yeah. I go.
0: want alive? I want Maester Eamon alive. That's who Ooh, I want alive. Yeah,
1: bring back I Eden. want him to meet
0: Daenerys. <laughs> very much.
1: <laughs> but uh,
0: that's, that's my answer, at least. Maybe we'll think of someone later. Move on to another one. Some of these are really good, like, there's a question, if we, if we were to write one sentence summaries per book, what would you write? That one, for instance, we, if we'd gotten to, if we'd seen it before we did the episode live, we could have come up with it. But live, we just don't have the time to. Uh, <laughs> to that. So sorry if we're not answering your question, but submit it in advance next time, and we'll have our answers ready. Right on. Here's another question about Sam. He's a popular topic. This one's got 15 upvotes.
1: How how will Sam relay any useful knowledge he learns in the Citadel to John or anyone who can use it in the upcoming war against the others? You can't just trust that to a raven carrying a scroll, can you? <laughs> Ron
0: Snow. <laughs> <laughs> Which and, uh, is a wonderfully uh, I'd say maybe you can just trust it to a raven carrying a scroll if it's just a, a bunch of ravens, but maybe he sends someone else. Maybe Sam does go back to the wall.
1: Maybe you uh, send the raven and hey, say, Hey, Bran, keep an eye on this raven for us. Make sure it gets... <laughs> take over this raven and fly it down there. Yeah, I think they just would want to make sure by sending multiple ravens. Yeah, they just a send a cases. bunch.
0: It's like... If it's useful to saving them, it's not really gonna harm you. If it, if other people get that raven, yeah, <laughs> <I feel> like <laughs> that's it's like it's secrets to take down the wall, probably. <laughs> uh, Very true. Uh, that's my thought. Uh, is it? Yeah, you just send out a bunch. That one is answered sufficiently, I suppose. Let's go on to from Wiz the Smith with eight upvotes. Uh,
1: How do you see Jamie, Brienne, and Lady Stoneheart cliffhanger playing out? That's a great question. Yeah. I've thought about this one a lot. Uh, I This is why I suggested that Brienne might be on the chopping block, because I don't think they can both get out of this alive. I, got, I feel like one of them is going to die. I'm also worried for Podrick Payne for that very reason. I and I think that what might happen is that Jamie is going to be forced to fight. To, he, will, he will say that he's innocent of what he's been charged of, and they'll let him fight, give him a trial by combat, maybe in a mocking way because they know that he's not capable of fighting because of his hand. And... Brienne will stand for him. Brienne will say, "Hey, uh, I'm going to be your him. because she knows he's telling the truth. She knows he's reformed. She knows mm-hmm. she knows better than anybody, except maybe Jamie himself, that he is honest now. Catelyn will never believe it, but she may be given pause by Brienne just saying that she'll defend him. I know this is very speci- I, So this is a very specific theory I have about how this is going to go down. But uh, yeah, I'm worried about Brienne getting out of that because out of the two of them, I feel like Jamie's arc is the one that has more long term to it.
0: Yeah, if we think he's the Valent Car, which yeah. we do. He has so. to deal with
1: Cersei still. He has to maybe have a reuniting with Tyrion at some point. And I think that his redemption arc is incomplete to this point. Yeah. I think he hasn't gone far enough along the lines. And and personally, I'd never could tell I like Brienne a lot, but I could never tell what is gonna happen. You know, where <laughs> she's headed, what her deal is gonna be, you know, whether she's gonna rescue a Stark or two, or whether yeah. she's ever gonna get to come face to face with Stannis. Really hard, really hard to say. Yeah. So, uh, but I do think that of the two, Jamie is a more likely to get out of that alive, and I do think that that is likely to happen. That Jamie's going to escape, maybe be let go because he wins his freedom, but it might cost Brienne. It may even be that they're pitted against each other. In which case, Brienne might just let Jamie win because she thinks that he's, you know, it's the right thing to do or something. But that's mm-hmm. a bit more far fetched.
0: All right, next question. Yeah. Uh, here's a good question. Um... Anthony Hargan Jr. Do you think Cersei can do anything to stop the Maggie the Frog prophecy from happening? Well, I guess if she killed herself, it <laughs> wouldn't be correct anymore. I don't think she can do anything. I don't think so, though. I, <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it's going to happen. I don't think she can do anything about it. I think she might, her efforts to make it not happen might make it <sighs> happen sooner or might be what makes it happen in the first place, which is a lot of times how these plot lines tend to go. Hmm. When someone is told the future, they end up making it happen themselves <laughs>
0: all right uh next question another question from cash craig it's just a comment so it's quick sam can send info to the wall using a glass candle quick style <laughs> i like that idea That's very if fun. sam
1: were how to use a little glass candle uh-huh. that would be pretty sweet that would be like pretty to learn cool. that, yeah
0: uh good comment um let's find some other well upvoted oh, here's a good one from George Fraley. Do we know what Blood Friday? Raven's
1: relationship with the old gods was prior to his was prior to his disappearing beyond the wall? We
0: can no. suspect, but he had some relationship personally.
1: I believe he yeah, I believe he did because of his Blackwood roots. Although I don't think he was seeing through yeah, werewoods. Back when he was like hand of the king and but stuff, I don't think he had dreams. his awakening. I think his awakening, like Brand's, probably happened to be on the wall. Do you think
0: he was skin changing, seeing into things? Do you think he? Yes, yes. I do so think he was think doing that. He was that much. Having dreams, like through ravens or something like that, yes. and telling him information. I think he was, and I think he was very open to the idea because glamour. he was. Yeah,
1: because he was. He was definitely delving in other forms of magic, so yeah. he's certainly like open minded about it, and would have. The res- more resources, perhaps, than Bran to so say, look at some old books. Yeah. He's the hand of the king. He would have access to, you know, the Citadel and the whatever libraries they have at King's Landing, a library on Dragonstone, huh. which has got to have some maybe some ancient Valyrian stuff. So, yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes Blood Raven particularly interesting is this mixed huh. magic background. Yeah. But I, I do think his relationship with the old gods was there, but smallish prior to going to the wall. I think that's when it awakened. I think when he got around living werewoods and, and maybe sort of to explore it a little more. Yeah. And I think maybe when he disappeared, it was because he had, you know, he maybe discovered maybe the cave that he's in now is what he discovered. And he ran into some old green seer that, you know, it's like passing down the, passing the torch green seer, to green seer, And whoever came before blood Raven, now, Blood Raven's passing the torch to Bran. It might be something like that.
0: Um, all right. We're going to move on to the next question. We have about 20 minutes left. Um, yeah. We're going to do another Q&A question, move to some that were submitted uh, separately. But this next question is real, is real short. Really love the show, guys. Just one question on the book to show. Will you be watching the new season if T-Wow is not yet released? Thanks from Andrew Manford. Yes.
1: Yeah, we're going to be really, we're going we to I, I, I won't be thrilled about it, but yeah. we kind of, we, we need to, we, this yeah. is, we, we do this, as we said, we're trying to do this professionally as much as possible, or at least to make a partial or, or somewhat partial living from it. And that means we got to cover the show. That's yeah. the, 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 there's so much attention paid to the show at the time when it happens, uh, the fandom, you know, comes out of the woodwork a bit more. There's <laughs> a lot more people interested. General interest is higher. So yeah, we're going Just to cover a- it.
0: going to our viewers right here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like more Q&A more. viewers
1: during the TV season than this yeah. one. <laughs> but,
0: you know.
1: That is how it is. Yes. Oh, yeah, let's get that one.
0: All right. The next one is another short comment. It's yeah. from AU Pack Mule.
1: Shout out to the free- freaking Italian. Yes. Unfortunately, uh, some of you may have heard already Steve Mangiamelli passed on mm-hmm. October 15th. And we dedicated the Redgrass Field episode, which you haven't seen yet, because, well, some of you may have if you're watching this not live. Yeah. But we recorded that last night. The episode's dedicated to him. We started the episode with a dedication, so you'll hear more about it then. But, yeah... We'll miss you, Steve, keywords. and thanks for starting this ep- starting this show for us. Yeah, because there to would be no that, history of Westeros podcast without yeah. Steve. To
0: people that were maybe wondering where Steve went a while ago, this is related to that. He mm-hmm. had health problems, and that is why he dropped out. We never wanted to uh, talk too much about it in the episodes at his request. Uh, but, but now it's time to
1: you know tell the whole story.
0: Um, so. so you'll see if if you watch the Red Grass Field episode, you'll hear a little bit more about that. Yes, uh, that
1: will be published next week.
0: Yes. There's definitely a lot of nice comments here. I'm not going to necessarily select them all um, to feature them, but we're re- we will read all of the questions yeah, we are and the comments. A here is the next good question.
1: From our buddy Don the Crackin' Wit, who has his own YouTube channel. Check him out. He does good stuff over there and has some nice long discussions, some chapter mm-hmm. breakdowns and other fun stuff. And uh, lives nearby. Uh, we, we met up recently. Good uh-huh. time. Small world. You never know who's, who lives near you when, you when you do everything on the internet. We're in the Atlanta area. <laughs> yeah, that's right. By the way. Yes, yeah, so just in case you're nearby, too. So how, the question is how do you feel about Victorian being flesh made fire instead of fire made flesh? That's a good way to put the question, too. Um, And I know that Don's favorite character is Victorian, so Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised that we have a victorian centered question here. He's he's in his
0: Greyjoy shirt. That's (laughs) right. I got a
1: Greyjoy shirt on right now. Castle Greyjoy. Watch out. Um, So I I think it's really interesting, really cool. It's definitely the beginning of some of these magic things that are starting to be more present in the series, which I I never want the magic to get too out of hand, but I like these creepy, Mm -hmm. mysterious, not sure how it's going to work, you have to sacrifice to make it work properly. You know, there's a there's a high cost to the magic, that kind of thing. So I think that what we're dealing with specifically is something that is bad for Victorian. I don't Hi. think that Victorian is gonna come out of this great. I don't think I think that Makoro is kind of manipulating him. I don't think there's any chance Makoro is anything but but loyal to Danny because their religion his head priest, the guy that sent him there, the guy that sent Makoro out there, is openly preaching that Daenerys is Azor Ahai, that she is the one, she is the chosen one, or whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, whatever favorite term you have. So Makoro's not helping Victarion. He's helping Daenerys, and he's doing it by manipulating Victarion. So uh, as far as actually being made firewriters, I can't wait to see him in action. I think he's going to be unstoppable for a little while until something stops him. I don't know. It probably won't just be one guy. But I predicted that he fights Bloodbeard or someone else that's notable like that, maybe Berestan even. But he's going to arrive kind of as a, sort of an ally to Danny, not really, but sort of like he wants to fight Danny's enemies, but he also wants to kidnap her and steal her dragons. So that's kind of a little a little column A, a little from column B.
0: All right, so let's move on to a few more um, comments and questions here. This is just a nice um, response from Jim McGeehan. Oh, yeah, he's answering
1: um, his own question about one-day hands.
0: Yes, and it gave, hands it gave me a thought, too, Corlys Valerian. Ooh, That's what I want to see. He's been all over the world. Yeah, you can at least be able to yeah. ask him lots of cool
1: questions. Yeah, <laughs> like, um, tell us about the Thousand Islands. And the <laughs> oh,
0: he was talking about... Uh, of course, he was talking about the hands, huh? Yeah. I, I was thinking about the historical characters you'd like to oh. read more about, and my answer to that was Corlys Valerius. Well, Corlys
1: was sort of like, that uh, was was hand for a range. Yeah, yeah. A year, so it still True, works. True, it still works, <laughs>
0: but I was specifically thinking about George writing more material. Oh, that. yeah,
1: okay, cool. But
0: um, to read it out loud, for those of you on iTunes, Jim's comment was, If I had to pick Cregan Stark, the one-day hand, Tyland Lannister, the maimed hand, and Oakenfist's, Thrilling naval battles against Dalton Greyjoy, the Red Kraken. Really good answer.
1: Yeah, I would love to see Oaken yes. Fists. Every, everything about Oaken <laughs> Fists, as much as his, fa- his, his uh, yeah. probable father, Coralis Valerian, speaking of the Sea Sneak. Okay.
0: Here we go. Um, here's another good question. I'd never actually considered it. Um, do you think they will have to melt down the Iron Throne to fight the White Walkers? From Anthony Hargan Jr.
1: Well, you mean that so weapons will become so scarce that they yeah. will need so- new I never, sources I, of no, iron.
0: I, I had the thought of them just melting it down, and it's like molten, and they just dump
1: <laughs> it. Throw it at them.
0: <laughs> but no, I never considered that, and I think that's actually a really good idea. Yeah, um, that's possible.
1: I wonder if things get that bad. I do expect things to get really, yeah. really bad. I really bad. Like that, the, the North. I think the North will be overrun. It be inhospitable potentially. Yeah, so, and I do think that maybe the conflict will happen around the Trident because of of one of Danny's visions shows her melting an army of ice at the Trident. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although the Trident is still north of King's Landing, so maybe they won't get quite that far. But we've also seen foreshadowing for maybe, you know, like snow on King's Landing, things like that. Yeah, humanity could get to the point where they're that desperate. That would be interesting.
0: Definitely a cool idea. Very cool idea. I hadn't thought of myself. Another nice, easy question, fun question is. Where in the world of ice and fire would you like to live? Making love is religion? Summer Islands, all the way. Is that, and that's from Craigie Casablanca. Uh, and I've thought about this before. As a, as a woman, my answers are, you know, not as easy as as answers, I'd say. <laughs> so, obviously, Dorne would be cool, except the weather isn't exactly my thing. Uh, <laughs> Old Town would be cool if you're a high tower, because as a woman you could probably still get the books and get into the Citadel. Summer Islands would be cool, but also I like the idea of living in the um, Samiriana, like Kayakana, which are ruled by women. So <laughs> that's my thought is where am I not going to be abused and <laughs> get to bury someone? Yeah. Um, Aziz,
1: though,
0: you you have way more choices. I like the
1: Summer Islands, a good choice. If I was a native of Nath, I you could don't live really get there, a lot of books. but I don't get to choose to live there. Because Do you on don't get any books. i get to read the, the Talking Trees. Before I, get to yeah. I could live in Old Town, I suppose. It's pretty safe. Ashi. on the inside. I would not <laughs> want to live in Ashaya. I might want to see it, but I might rather just see a you know like a live stream of <laughs> yeah, Ashaya. It'd
0: probably be pretty cool, honestly. They have a lot be,
1: of. Might cool. Cool. Yeah, it might be cool. It sounds like it Walter. might be more developed. It might be more civilized yeah. potentially. Maybe not. I would not want to live in Sithorios. No. I would not want to live in the north. No, no, no thanks. Cold.
0: Yeah.
1: No, thank you Iron
0: Islands for me. Bravos
1: wouldn't be too bad, um, although it's cold Bravos there.
0: wouldn't be too bad. That's true um even for me
1: no way norvos no no way ib if, a real I, was cold an, if there. I was in norvos
0: i'd have a shaved head and like weeks. and <laughs> no that's that's, that's
1: that's lorath right
0: no norvos. Oh, no you're right norvos they do they have women a to shape, shave yeah they you're they right the, the beard they totally have that right weird hair hang yeah up, like, Oh, the women the, wear wigs the when they're feasts.
1: around people from other cultures that's right yeah Yeah, it's uh, bizarre
0: definitely <laughs> 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 interesting world building tidbits from world and fire uh yeah pretty pretty fun question our next top question. Uh, Kieran. Here we go. He's, he's, he's dominating
1: the questions. He's got a lot of good upvotes on this uh, one, too. You think Bran is being led astray by Bloodraven, unbeknownst to him, of course. What do you think his purpose is? What possible role would Mira play? I'm kind of writing Jojen off at this point, he says. Uh-huh. I kind of agree, Jojen. I don't think Jojen has a big role to play anymore. He's saying today's not the day I die. Well, eventually it is going to be the day he dies. And, uh-huh. and he he's himself has said his point, He served his purpose. Uh-huh. He himself says that, and he's pretty much right about everything he says. So I agree to write off Jojen, although it's sad to say that. Purpose, though. I don't think that Bloodraven is leading him astray. Mm-hmm. I think that he really is preparing him for something important that, that is good for humankind. But I don't think he's telling him the whole story. I don't think he's Brand knows just how deep into it he's going to have to get. I don't think he realizes the sacrifices he's going to have to make, the things he's going to have to do, and maybe he doesn't realize just how some of these magical powers that need to be used that the cost that needs to be paid to make them work, the price that needs to be paid. I mean, there's all these old stories of the were- of, of blood sacrifice to the werewoods and the children of the forest maybe being a lot darker than they seem. They're being, you know, like, a lot of times you see these things with nature-worshipping cultures or nature cults where they really have a, a, a view of death that is quite different than standard human society. They think death is just part of the cycle of nature. Mm-hmm. It's, you go back into the earth, you become part of it, and nature continues. You're part of that, that natural f- ebb and flow of creepy life. Creepy thought. If, and if
0: the old gods just want more people in the earth to die and be part of their werewood network. yikes. <laughs> that's why the others are... It's
1: just very yeah. creepy. So I don't think Bloodraven is fooling uh, Bran fully, like he's completely tricking him. But I do think there's a lot more to the story that Bran wouldn't want to know and I think Blood Raven's got to break him in gradually so like yeah. it's like you made it to the next level now i got to tell you this dark secret unfortunately that that this is necessary we have to kill this thing to do mm-hmm. this and I don't know <laughs> I think it's going to be dark
0: next question this is our next highest question right now um, yes
1: sweet YFT who
0: we for a long time thought was sweetie FT and <laughs> we <what> finally <laughs> have gotten it correct
1: uh, <laughs> let's talk faceless men how could Jakin become the alchemist in the middle of the road if it's just glamour why do they need the hall of faces in the house of black and white if all men must die. Why do they sell their talents to the highest bidder?
0: Okay, All good questions.
1: All very good questions. Okay, let's answer them one at a time. Let's start with the first one. How could he Jacob become the alchemist in the middle of the road? Well, that's a good question. I think it is. There is some sorcery involved. I think there is some magic involved. And I think what it, the way it works is that the faces are for. And I think this is sort of alluded to by the kindly man, is that the way they wear the faces because. They haven't learned how to do the sorcery. That's that's for the younger folk, the newbies, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of. And it could also, perhaps, allow them to make a greater disguise than possible. Like, Jaqen's yeah. face changes quite a bit, but it's not like he...
0: Is now a short little woman. Yeah. Or, yeah. You
1: might need the faces for, like, r- really s- substantial disguises. But if you're just going from one dude to another of similar sort height, of like with the, just different hair color... Sort of like
0: the anchor for the glamour. You yeah. Your face, you know, anchors
1: yeah. it. Yeah, that's a good... That's a good Topic for another time, the anchors, the glamours. Notice Lightbringer has a ruby. Melisandre has a ruby. Rubies. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Mance has his, you know, whatever. Yeah,
1: Mance has the the bracelet ruby, which I don't, Um, he doesn't have it anymore at Winterfell, though, I think. Okay. And then why why do they, so we explained the first two questions. If all men must die, why do they sell their talents to the highest bidder? I'm not sure that's exactly how they do it. They, they, it's not, it's not like they, it's not like a contract where they say, okay, who wants to, who's going to pay the most for me? And then whoever pays the most is the one that gets that killer. It's, they, it's just that they charge people absurd amounts for their services. And
0: they sometimes just say no.
1: Yeah, and sometimes they say no. And it's relative. It's, it's like if a beggar says, I want you to kill this person, they'll, they'll accept the deal. But you have to give that the beggar's, two-thirds of the beggar's wealth is a lot less. And sometimes they'll ask for the life of somebody. The father gave, you know, there's cases where the father will give his own life to get a, a deal done. You know, someone mm. will give their own life up in order to have the faceless men kill somebody, but it still raises an interesting question uh, this is a, this is a this is a priesthood we can 't assume that they 're all just yeah. down the center, following oh, yeah. the church teachings the way they 're supposed true. to. There could absolutely be some corruption in there. I mean, yeah. they do seem to be very cult like they 're very strict on a lot of things, so it's maybe less likely to happen, but still
0: yeah.
1: corruption happens. these are still human beings mm-hmm. these are still they can be tempted they can have James life corrupt. altering, yeah, they can have life altering experiences that change what they want out of life. Like, why the hell am I doing this? I'm going around killing okay. people. I can't do this anymore. Mm. So let's do, let's take one more question right, and then here. we'll do our closing yes, credits. We'll
0: do this one right here. Well, we have to do one more because we have one that. Did oh, yes. One, we'll one more. And then we'll do more. that one. Then we'll do that. Okay. Right here. What kind of game is Alaris slash Sorella playing in the Citadel? Is it related to her father and a desire for revenge Or since she joined the Citadel before his death, is it something else? I think she took inspiration from her father doing the same thing and had an interest. Maybe she likes learning or... Yeah, I think she realized she could pass as a man. She thought it would be fun to try to pretend to be a man. (laughs) And that's the game, I think.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot more to it. Uh, She knows she can't get accepted as a woman. And all the Sand Snakes are kind of like little distilled little, versions yeah. of their father. They're like, each one is like the crystal. Like, you look at a different <laughs> angle and, and you get the different reflection of that prism. They're all little, yeah, like they, they all have little each facets,
0: of the, facets, facets yeah. of,
1: of, of the Red Viper. And, <laughs> and certainly the Red Viper went to the Citadel and got six chains, yeah. six... Forged six links,
0: Poison being one of them. Will she complete her chains, or will she stop at six? uh, (laughs) Will she do the same thing? I think that's not unlikely. I
1: wonder if we'll get to that point. Although, of course, if the Ironborn attack, no one's going to be studying if Uh. if there's Ironborn and running through the streets.
0: Definitely, um, Sorella is a good person for Sam to have near him. Perhaps uh, when they're attacking, she's probably a decent fighter. Yeah, she can yeah, at, sh- at least shoot her. shoot down yeah. some,
1: shoot down some uh, Ironborn. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so that was a good question, fun question. That's the last of the Q and A questions, except for this one was asked. I'm not sure where it was asked. Is
1: I don't recall. Amy <laughs> I think it might have been in our face- from our Facebook page. From
0: Amy Burns. Arthur Dane
1: is Arthur Dane still alive to keep an eye on John? This is, this is a way to address several different is Arthur Dane alive theories. Yeah. I myself back in 2000. Four maybe mm-hmm. posted, it was one of the first things I posted on the westeros.org forums was a potential Arthur Dane is Alive theory and the reason, my reasoning was because Arthur Dane is a borrowed character from another series uh, and that character turned out to be alive <laughs> it was yeah. the same circumstances where he was thought to be he was the best knight fought with a sword fallen, forged from a fallen star was considered the most honorable and the best fighter and then instead of being thought to be dead he, he disappeared and was presumed dead but he turned out to be alive similar circumstances so, But I don't think that's true, though. Yeah. I, just, I think the other things are similar about Arthur, but the plot points aren't similar. It's the, he took the, the window dressing and made that the same, but the characters other than <laughs> that aren't that similar. I do not think Arthur Dane is alive. I, mm-hmm. I don't think Ned would bother making an eighth cairn for him if he was going to do that. I don't, <laughs> think it's, I don't think that would be a necessary deception. People aren't going to be like, I'm going to go to the Tower of Joy. Make sure there's eight cairns there. or Make sure that <laughs> all the bodies are there. The Tower of Joy is out of the way. It's remote. People didn't know where it was necessarily... I don't think that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So, what we're left with is that he's just not alive. I don't see the point. First of all, if he's Mance, which is one popular theory, that just doesn't work for me. Mance was at Winterfell at the beginning of the story. Jamie knows what Arthur Dayne looks like. He idolized him. Ned knows what Arthur Dayne looks like. He also looked up to him, not as much Mm -hmm. as Jamie did. There's too many people that would have recognized him. Uh, So, yeah. Plus, their personalities are very different. Arthur Dayne is a disciplinarian, loyal to a fault. Arthur Mance had to leave uh-huh. the Night's Watch because he wanted to wear a cloak with red... I mean, uh-huh. obviously that was a metaphor, yeah. but still, he doesn't run the Wildlings like the way John Connington thinks about Arthur Dane running a company. How mm-hmm. Ar- at one point, John Connington sees how the Golden Company has laid out their camp, and he's like, Arthur Dane would be proud of how disciplined and yeah. tight this is. Mance Rayder doesn't do anything like that.
0: Yeah. So, in summary, No.
1: Yeah. We, we don't, don't so. we
0: don't tend to think that. Uh, it would be
1: kinda cool, but it would, but I just don't see it. Yeah.
0: Um, now we have to move on to our credits. We're All right. coming real close.
1: Yes, thank you to our Patreon supporters who helped make this possible. Thank you to First Lord Cash Craig and for the questions. Hand of the King and Captain of Mario Making. Oh that's <laughs>
0: cool. Makes me want to get Mario Maker sure
1: even more. <laughs> Lord Jim the Fortuitous of Wars and Politics of Ice and Fire blog and Warden West see him on our Red Drafts Field episode, which we're very happy with. We can't wait to finish editing that and get that out to you. Of course, some of you, by the time you hear this, you will have already seen it. Lord George, the Stor- Lord George Stormsville, the Cunning, Lord of the Chiliad, and Warden of the East. Lord John Reed of Castle Woodbridge, Lord Borealis, the Light of the North, and Warden of the North. Frontier Lord James Knox of the Poker Fort, Hammer of the Dorn Session, and Warden of the South. Lord James Inkblade, the Scholar Knight, Master of Whisperers. Grand Maester Etai wears the jewel collar of many medals. Lord Robert Jacobs, Master of Coin. Rosie the Clever is our Master of Laws. Lord James Tuttle is our Master of Ships. Lady Direleys of Castle Nocky is the Alpha Patron. Lord Dan of the Red Mountains in Castle Great Bell is the Breaker of the Second Stone. The High Chief Drew of the Frostbangs is Lord of Claymore. Lord Skip of the Belt is Lord of Castle of the the Unfrozen, is Lord of the Bricks and Castle Crimson Light. Lord Acerus of Dragonmont is the serpent in the narrow sea. Lord Damien Sand, the resilient, wielder of the Valyrian steel spear, swan song. Mm. Gregor the Toasty is Lord of the Breadfort. And Alicia Everlasting of the Green Blood is Lady of the Desert Rose. Nice. If you would like to have your own cool title, go to historyofwesteros.com and click on the Patreon link in the upper right, or go straight to patreon.com and search for History of Westeros. Mm-hmm. Also wanted to thank our... Our King's Justice, Sir Troy the Steady, wielder of the Valyrian blade fate, and Lord Commander George the Golden, our History of Westeros Night's Watch Lord Commander, as well as Lord Commander Shepard, our History of Westeros Kingsguard Lord Commander. (laughs) Thanks to everyone, and thanks to the rest of our Patreon supporters. You all matter very much, and we appreciate your support so much, and we appreciate everyone else as well who spreads the word about the show, who supports us, who asks us questions, who upvotes, who participates... And just generally, thank you for being part of the Song of Ice and Fire community. And our first live Q and A. Yeah, Thanks for running the show, life. Shea. MVP here. Yeah, I know.
0: So <laughs> I'm so sorry if I didn't get to your question. Next time, if you want me to get to your question, just you know, compliment me. Like, Shea, <laughs> so much just <laughs> answer my question I'll, I'll get to your question now, I
1: swear. <laughs> but no there were a lot of great questions we couldn't get yeah, to but I, I that's like just the way it goes crazy
0: how long it is i'm so sorry that we can't get to them all but you do stand a
1: better chance if you ask the question in advance if a lot of these ask were asked in advance, today we,
0: you will, if you ask it in advance we almost guarantee we'll answer it we put it in a document and we we'll come think about it ahead of time
1: answers. some of these um, we answered on the fly some of them yeah. we prepared answers for so the sooner you ask us and we'll see you next time. Again, we'll, be, we'll have another Q&A episode in the coming weeks slash month, and we'll let you know as soon as that happens. Valar Morghulis.